should I should I be doing anything funny or are you just gonna joke about you space? Anything funny, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. That Welcome was me back. going over a hill <laughs> as I said it. <laughs> I Welcome back for another week. Uh, as always, of course, this is our movie podcast where every week or two, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew and I meet up, watch a movie. Incrementally. <laughs> give you some little notes about it. Give you our opinions. Deep dive. Maybe regurgitate a video essay or two. Um some special news and features up the top of the show. It is a nerd course. writer fan podcast, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we can easily just transition to that and no one would notice. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this week we are covering Sam Mendes's brand new 2020 film, 1917, which is a fucking nightmare to type out. Give me two numbers there. It makes it feel there, like you're I'm writing confused. a phone number. Yeah. God damn. 2020, um, 1917, what is this? <laughs> this better be toll free. <laughs> and to join us for this week's episode, we've got... Uh, friend of the show, war enthusiast, Zach. <laughs> How you doing? Hey, hi. Hi, guys. Hey, How go. are you? Good. It's good to be good. here. Back, baby. So the, you were previously on our Avengers episode. The right? last war pod. Yeah, that's right. The oh, last yeah. war film we all Another saw. Another right. war. That's right. Battle-oriented podcast. Yeah. Hell yeah. On purpose. Look forward to getting you back on in 100 years' time for the documentary of World War Three, yeah, baby. Yeah, that'll be Ironically, fun. Ironically, <laughs> a lot more combat in this movie. Uh, in that movie than in this one. Yeah, sure. Think I think that. that was about. Oh, I mean, I suppose if you compare like I mean interplanetary combat versus like intercontinental combat, then yeah, sure. There was probably a lot more combat in Infinity War. I want to. I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but we watched Endgame, not Infinity War, and it was three and a half hours, so it probably had yeah. more combat. If I'm really well, honest, it had well, a, are you it talking <laughs> about on-screen combat or yes, like the combat that, that was is, the, that no, was no, the point. or like or the combat that is represented by the events depicted in the film? No, the first thing, is which is wor- the reason why my joke works. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it was a joke. It doesn't work. Can you just? I think it was a joke, can but I guess that's a philosophical yeah. question. Can you just? Can you ask us to sure. laugh? That would be really helpful. <laughs> Ooga! <laughs> All right, I'm gonna see a joke, folks. Get ready. Here it comes. Incoming in three. Two. One. Lift Yeah, I thought Zach, they were both pretty good. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for having me. It's very good to be here. Mm, mm, excellent. All right. Um, so we generally start off with the news. What? Has anyone got the other? Just caught Oscar with his fucking pants down. The what? The what? All I got is old news. Googling news. News. Define news. Okay. Um. Let's launch into it. Then we already. Yep. Zach, are you in or out of this little theme music thing? Are you going to be watching from the sidelines? Uh, or I can try and be... We, you mean the recording you're going to play that sounds really professional? Sorry, no, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, what I meant was when I hit play on the rec- on the recording of the theme music... Yeah. You know, the, the one that we do every week. Are you going to play with me? Yeah. Or are you going to step out of the room and wait for the music to be finished playing and then come back for Are we going to Mighty Duck style or put our hands into the oh, middle and, and that's then a rough go, joke. play! And yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's foreshadowing a new segment that may or may not come up later. Yay. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, so I guess not. All right. Um, I'm going to be hitting play, boys. <laughs> We're going to be hitting play, boys. <laughs> Yay! All right. That's a, that's a magazine! Here we go, baby. That's a, that's a naughty magazine. <laughs> 
<laughs> Guys, that's a sex magazine. We might need to take that bit out. <laughs> the only naughty magazine I subscribe to is Oil Tycoon Monthly. Mine's Kazo. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear... I like... If you go back and listen to the episodes, not that I do because I'm not an egotistical <laughs> fuck, you can sometimes listen to me have a little giggle. I'll be like, oh, he thinks he's got a real banger coming now, does he? <laughs> yeah. I think you can hear Oil Tycoon Monthly coming a good 20 yeah, seconds before right. it comes so out. Listeners, yeah. if you want a little treat, <laughs> <laughs> hit that back button four or five <laughs> times and just <laughs> strap in. Sex is Playboy and you can even go, tee <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to start I'm gonna start the band. You ready? Yes, yeah. That's good. Beef Bullet. Here we go. We haven't recorded an episode for a little while, so we got a bit of a backlog. I'm going to back my beef ass <laughs> up on this news. Oscar's throwing his ass in reverse. <laughs> Squat down and pound down on some news. <laughs> Here we go. Tribute's pouring for Monty Python's Terry Jones, who died age 77. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Reset. We got a total mismatch, folks. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, was it was it the the new story that was the problem? Or it's, the what, <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. So, condolences to his friends and family. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he'll be sorely missed. (laughs) Terry Jones died (laughs) at the age of 77 back on January the 22nd, which shows how long it is since we've recorded. It was like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Man, what a bummer. Mm. Monty, I I went back, I think we've said a couple of times, like, oh, Monty Python isn't funny anymore. But I went back and watched a whole bunch of their old sketches. um, because this got me kind of nostalgic for watching all the old Monty Python stuff. But goddamn, some of their shit, though, is still so mm. funny. Do you ever get that Monty Python in phase in your childhood? Yeah, man. Yeah? I went. I watched The Holy Grail like 11 times. Yeah, I did the, the same The bit where they yeah. go to Camelot, I thought that was so funny. <laughs> and I'll be <laughs> honest. The Knights of the I, Round Table. That's right. And then I, I'll be honest, I rewatched it and... It wasn't that funny. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, it's just, I, it just feels it's it's like it humor. might be because you've seen it before, right? Like it's I think so. I, I think, think it has an effect of I being feel like so changed in my brain, and I can recognize that I thought it was funny at the time, but yeah. now it's just like I just I, think I don't find it's it also funny a product of its all. time as well. Yeah. Like it's very much yeah. You know, I feel like comedy dates a lot more quickly than any other kind of movie yeah. genre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like if I watch a Monty Python with like. I, I remember being in the same room watching Monty Python with like your dad and my dad, and mm. I think they've. My, my dad wasn't there. Mm. <laughs> my memory is that um, my our dads laughed at different stuff to what we would laugh at. Yes, what happens in almost like, every movie with comedy in it that I watch? With well, no, dad. I, I just I just feel like that must be disorienting. I just like he Does just he laugh at like tragic deaths he or thought something? 1917 <laughs> was the funniest shit he'd ever seen yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah Sweet. the bit with the dead horse <laughs> wet himself during Schindler's List yeah. well, it's, it's disconcerting how times change <laughs> no no, I just feel like there's sometimes we're like I watch, I've watched heaps of interviews with Monty Python over the years because regardless of how much I watch their shit I really respect them as just dudes who were great at what they did just guys mm. being dudes that's true just, <laughs> dudes being year guys. of the dude um, and they put a lot of emphasis on loving things that were just silly 
And if you right. go back and watch the parrot sketch, for example, yeah. it's one of the most famous sketches. That's mostly silly. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of that silliness, where it's just silly for silly's sake, gets a lot more laughs from my parents' generation than it does for me. Maybe I'm just mi- putting thing, putting memories in my own head or putting words in my dad's mouth or whatever. Mm. But like, mm. I, when I watch stuff on my own, I recognize the things that are funny in a different way to when I'm watching it with dad and maybe he's laughing. I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think that was funny. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe it's changed, baby. I, My point is, I love it. I watched like the, the, I watched an interview with John Cleese recently where he was talking about, they did some sort of Monty Python retrospective and they all picked their favorite Monty Python sketches and they all picked different sketches, but all of them picked the fish slapping dance. <laughs> and if you've seen right. that, that's the stupidest. It's, oh, it's I've so seen, funny. I've seen it, yeah. The fish slapping dance is really funny. And that got me going down a big old rabbit hole. And I, it's great. I'm, it I'm also broaches it. on like improv some of the time as well, where they yeah. clearly tapped into their inner sketch abilities. Like yeah. for example, I know John Cleese plays a magician in um, the Holy Grail. And there's a bit where they come to him and he says, um, I uh, they say what is your name and he says I am called Tim and there's a that wasn't his name in the script he had a really long eight syllable name <laughs> and he fucking it. forgot it yeah. and so they said what is your name and too many drugs. there's a tiny little split second where you can see him frowning to think of his name and he fucking just says Tim because he can't <laughs> think of the name yeah. and he just goes back to the pyrotechnics that they probably didn't have enough money for at the time yeah, so yeah, yeah. just little things like that where they yeah. just sort of made it work is God, really yeah. cool yeah so I'm, I'm back on my bullshit my new hot take this week is that Monty Python, quite funny. Right. Mm. What would be your favorite Monty Python film? Um, I don't know. I really like you Holy got 10 Grail. seconds to pick. <laughs> I, I like Holy Grail and Life of Brian, but I feel like I probably enjoy the Holy Grail more. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I've, never, I've never properly seen uh, Meaning of Life. I've, yeah, I think I have actually. actually. Yeah. Mm. Have you got yeah. any favorite Monty Python? Probably Holy Grail. Really I mean, yeah. I watched it like. Probably again. I, I probably yeah. did the same thing as yeah. you, Zach. I just watched it again and again yeah. when I was a young kid. Yeah. Yeah. Holy Grail, so fucking. It's funny. fucking. If, funny. if you're not as into uh, Monty Python as these three super fans clearly are, <laughs> um, I think Terry Jones is most famous as playing Brian's mum, where the line yeah. is, um, "He's not the Messiah. He's ve- he's a very, he's a very naughty, naughty boy. boy." That's that guy. Um, uh, right. He was the director of Life of Brian and a whole bunch of other Python stuff that. Python, the Python guys have since come out and said, like, oh, he was a great at like, articulating the Python voice and he sort of knew what needed to be done and he was a great comedy director. That's cool. Um, yeah, strong direction. And, yeah. and yeah. He, he passed away, I think, due to... Comp- he passed away after having a, a long-suffering battle with dementia, which must have been brutal. And it's not very Fucking funny. Fucking 77, that's, yeah, that sucks. I, I, I think that like in the later stages... got it really like, early. Oh, I don't know. This isn't funny, but there's loads of like interviews with the Python guys where it, it's such a bummer where they're talking about like this dude. Like, <laughs> it sounds like they're saying like this dude wouldn't fucking shut up, man. <laughs> right. And now like he got to the stage with his illness where he was like almost like robbed of his voice and his personality yeah. by this by this illness. Poor dude. Sad to wow. see him go, but it was a long time coming. Jesus. It's very sad, but also well, it's. Frankly, when it gets to that stage, it's better that someone passes, I think, as someone who's had relatives die with that mm. sort of thing. Yeah. They're just not who they were anymore. So, again, sad to see him go. Um, but, yeah, hopefully his family can So, well, to pick up the mood, I have two articles for Andrew, oh. um, to specifically for Andrew, <laughs> okay. that I've taken note of. Never had a guest bring in news That's before. right. Yeah, fuck That's yeah. right. I'm a guest He's anchor. He's to prove himself. I'm just going to jump in when it... You least expected, it. And bro. also, bizarrely, Zach doesn't have this on a phone or a laptop or anything. He's written the news down by hand on a fucking yeah, note. That's right. That's paper scrunching, yeah, baby. Yeah. Do you remember I, what um, that sounds like? 
because there's no electricity where we live anymore because of the fact that the apocalypse is oh, coming. Oh, yeah, that so is true. I had to go back to pen and paper. <laughs> Are we more worried about fake news if the news is written by an algorithm or some dude with a pen and paper? I feel like either way we're getting errors introduced here. All right. I trust someone that's committed to writing off with a pen and paper. That's go right. Go off, Zach. That's right. So get this, um, Andrew. And okay. Oscar, you can listen if you want, I guess. All right, I'm the <laughs> famous reactor I got other ones in this for you, thing. Thanks. But um, so Wonder Woman... Um, 1984, um, apparently Gal Gadot says that Lonely Diana faces a crazy game-changing event, so I know that you're pretty keen for that one. Oh, it's a, it's a, much like Nolan's latest film, it's an event film, That's is right. It? Yeah. Oh. yeah, exactly. Oh! Um, and then another one, so Bad Times <laughs> Oscar nominee <laughs> Cynthia... Something crazy is happening Wonder Woman. Well, I did think there was more coming. We did, we did just it. have... No, that's it. I just wanted you to know about that. Why? Anyway, God, Bad Times... so transparently <laughs> designed to just be free marketing for that movie. <laughs> that's right. No, Where no, the, no. The news is, like, is that something crazy. Is yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm yeah, sure that'll um, make you really want to watch film, it. This uh, film, it's definitely got a script. Yeah, so game-changing what event. If, She's lonely. What if after Wonder Woman 1984, that. they just go, fuck it, Wonder Woman 1985, <laughs> Wonder Woman 1986. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we've got at least 45 of these in the barrel. <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, so, Bad Times Oscar nominee Cynthia Ervo, who played the woman that, help, that helps out the pastor, Arriba, fake pastor. Cynthia Erivo. That's yep. right. What, yeah. In Bad Times at the El Camino. That's, or whatever the bad Times at the Oriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants to be in a Marvel movie and thinks that she has a body that would suit the role which I thought was real funny so she's taking a nosedive into Marvel territory which I'm sure that you'll be very keen has to hear has she been I don't know I think she, she just, just came real. Wait, I think she just everyone wants everyone else is <laughs> Kamala and Gianni's in one what the fuck can't I be in I think in she one? might be facing bankruptcy that's my guess oh, <laughs> interesting <laughs> Cynthia so who did she play in Bad Times at El Royale uh, I've forgotten the name of the character which character is she? Which oh, she's the one that helps the pastor. So remember, she um she knocks out the pastor with the with the bottle when um she realizes uh, that he's praying around okay. and stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah, I, don't know. I was yeah. surprised when I read that. Um, there's been a number of people that said they want to be in Marvel films, and I think it's just to get money. I think it's the that's yeah, right, the big fat fucking money. Also, moving right it, along, yeah. apparently James Gunn is getting death threats for the fate of uh, Rocket <laughs> Raccoon. In uh, <laughs> yeah, he's it's come full circle. Instead of Jesus. giving death threats, he's getting death threats. Which I thought was really interesting. To be fair, having Chris Pratt be wearing Rocket Raccoon as a scarf in Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> was taking the piss a little bit. I would assume that <sighs> directing any Marvel film means that you receive death threats. Oh, Surely, right? Like, yeah, I just there's yeah. a base level of background noise of crazy people yeah. who fucking yeah, exactly. send you like your house's location and yeah. like a skull and crossbones. Yeah, I'll bet that um that's the same for. The recent Star Wars film for characters that have yeah Star Wars yeah definitely Star Wars yeah. as well yeah 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 any yeah. any nerd following yeah I would estimate there's just a just a level of like ambient hatred mm. <laughs> that is yeah, right. you just have to tune out and yeah. then you listen to the rest <laughs> of the feedback I yeah. guess yeah, yeah that's nuts All right that's All half right. of what I've got but why don't you take over for a bit Oscar and let All us right, know what's go. going on so I'm getting I got hit with the one two news a bit more serious <laughs> news like the last one I talked about it, <laughs> national treasure dying of dementia. <laughs> Give us a fucking tag on like whether or not we should stop joking before the article comes up <laughs> I don't know. is this another fucking obituary article <laughs> oh, oh, can I keep I being mean, funny this one's not a barrel of laughs but we'll see how okay. we go oh, oh good oh, okay, all right. so, but that's alright I come in and I I'll pick up the yeah, back so down, bring the energy back down alright let's chill out alright what's going on Oscar Tell Colin me. Farrell given kebab shops first ever black card for unlimited free food quote I haven't paid for a kebab in five years do the voice <laughs> 
I have a pit. We haven't. Everyone that lives in the United Kingdom is a beetle to yeah. Oscar. That was a good I'm Mike. I've for like a kebab in five years. I've been for a kebab in five years. <laughs> I thought it was more Mike Myers. I haven't. Sure. We haven't paid for a kebab in five years. Let That's it be. Let it be good. a kebab with bad. chips and chilli yeah. sauce. Do you have any of that uh, tahini? Is that how you say it? Colin Farrell <laughs> has earned an Irish food chain's first ever black card after giving the company plenty of good press in an airline magazine. <laughs> that means he's allowed to say that. Okay. Um, Okay, there's apparently an Irish chain of kebab shops called. (laughs) Yeah, there is. Wait, yeah, I'm ready for this. (laughs) Abra Kebabra. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. He was initially rewarded with a. I know, I, know, I know you want the, the gory details. According to NME, he was initially rewarded with a gold card okay. following an interview that he conducted with Aer Lingus magazine. Which <laughs> don't, don't, don't. <laughs> let's just leave it. Let's, Sorry. It's a complicated no, if article. Just, if we can just backpedal. <laughs> Five or six seconds. Sorry. One more, one more time. The name of that magazine. I can't even understand what you're saying. <laughs> Air Lingus. Magazine. Air Lingus. Lingus, which is apparently... Is that, how many Ar- words is that? Yeah, and I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, but apparently he then spoke about it on Ellen, and Ellen, the interview, resulted in him being upgraded to a black card Damn. that gave him unlimited free food. Is he a fucking marketing partnership with this kebab chain? Well, yeah, yeah, literally. Okay. Is he just a huge fan of it, or is it like a proper... Thing. Can you the say card in question has a message on the back that reads, "Quote: Absolutely no restrictions apply to Colin Farrell." <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if, like, they've given out a bunch of black cards and, <laughs> and everyone's black that. cards say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's so funny. That's really weird. Tilda Swinton has a kebab card that gives Colin Farrell free food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just in case I'm ever with you. That's good shit. <laughs> Fucking hell. The idea of a kebab shop in uh, Ireland is also just funny. Can you say say abracababra in an Irish accent? Abracababra. (laughs) Abracababra. They don't roll their R's in Ireland. Abracababra. They they curb their R's. Abra. Abra. You're thinking of Scotland. Um, Abra. Abra Abra. That's (laughs) Scottish. This next bit of news just for a nice change isn't me facetiously trying to wind Andrew up. Good Um, Got oh, an article here saying I've got us covered for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Studio Ghibli films are finally coming to Netflix. Yeah, I saw that. As of oh, just yeah, I recently, I think they're dropping them in sort of monthly installments. So I think oh. every month between sort of February, March, and April. That's a drop, great like, idea. It's annoying. Why do they just drop all twenty one? Oh, oh, oh sorry. On? It's a good marketing idea. Yeah. yeah. It's annoying for normal people, but yeah. for marketing, that's smart, right? <laughs> It's I'm sorry smart, if it makes money, smart, you know. It's marketing. <laughs> Maybe you guys should be doing that. Maybe we should. Yeah, we already dropped one. Thing we'll be uploading <laughs> six Studio Ghibli films in February. Six Studio Ghibli films in March. Yeah. Audio only, baby. Yeah. Can <laughs> <laughs> we get taken down if we just did that? If we just started uploading no. the audio from major Hollywood blockbusters? <laughs> no, because like, no one from Studio Ghibli will ever listen yeah. to Next this. Next week, ever. we're just going to upload the audio track from The Matrix 3. You know, it'd probably help people. Do you you know, I watched Howl's Moving Castle. The first time I watched it, SBS in a hotel somewhere or like an apartment that we were renting I know temporarily. Channels. No sound. 
I watched that film with no sound and no subtitles and just had to guess what was going on. Yeah, it was like, very what interesting. What the fuck's the big deal really? in these movies? Yeah, really. Do you remember the plot? Uh, well, I've seen it gotten, since like, then, the so I know what beats. happens. Yeah, but, but back, do you remember after that? Oh, I thought... Um, first, I thought that... Um, not Christian Bale. What's, he plays... Uh, yeah, I thought he was like a bad guy because he does like <laughs> some really like visually like scary <laughs> shit yeah. yeah he's meant to be like a threatening <laughs> he's kind of yeah because yeah. then he turns into a bird he transforms in the fucking bird yeah. thing and I thought he was the have villain have you seen House Movie Castle Oscar yeah. and you yeah, have, you have no idea like why that woman Ghibli keeps becoming seen. old and young again and you think it's <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought it was different characters <laughs> yeah. you think they're different characters I was like why is she talking where did no. the old anyway, sounds, like, sounds like Mr. Miyazaki needs to show not tell there's that crucial dialogue where she goes oh no I'm the same person getting young again well she does I think say that Maybe. <laughs> the fire was cute either way. I will oh, say yeah. that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And the scarecrow that guy, seems isn't that like guy the voiced by the same actor as Mike Wazowski. Yeah. What? Really? I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah. Oh, or it's wow. the same. It's a really famous voice. I'm pretty sure it's. When the I same found one. out that Christian Bale voiced Hal, he. That oh, is why did I forget crazy, Hal? Right? Holy yeah. shit! I forgot yeah. Hal. The eponymous Hal. Moving Hal. Castle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I went yeah. H A L because yeah, I was yeah. like, that can't. Fuck. That's can you can you edit that? That's really bad. Anyway, that was a good joke. He does Hal nine thousand. Yeah. Can't you do that? Sophie. Sophie's name of those close the podcast bay doors. Is that you want to do? I'm expecting you to laugh any second. Anyway, moving right along. There um, it is. He does sound a bit like Batman, though. So I will does say, he? yeah. If you re-listen to it, he definitely. When he you sounds listen like to Batman. it, knowing it's Christian Bale, you're yep. like, that yep. is. When he goes into his gruff voice, he's like, yeah. I'm Hal, and you're like, oh, oh shit, <laughs> oh, he's, he's Hal. Practicing, for yeah. uh, Mr. Yeah. Nolan. That's yeah. right. That's mm. right. I have another Batman reference later that I'm shelving for. Oh, good. I eagerly await being like, Don't shove it up your ass, please. Tell us instead. It's funny. It's okay. All right. Oh, do you need me to? Do you need me to come in? So, Parasite was named Film of the Year at the London Critics Circle Awards. So it keeps on getting more awards, which is really cool. Again, look, I like this movie. I don't know why. I really like Why this one? I loved it. Did you? No, I really liked it. Fine, but it's just so bizarre that this is the one that went off. Yeah, I suppose. Better than a bad or a mediocre one. I reckon. I wonder if this is like better than a bad movie. This has got a way colder reception. You guys loved it when you talked about it. No, we liked it. I liked it a lot. It's just it, I can't see a reason why this one stands out from the crowd of like other g- fantastic international anti-capitalist cinema. Yeah, well, maybe 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 <laughs> right. that's not the point. It's I'm like people are ready for that sort of stuff now. I, I think it's a cultural sort I, of shift. I think right? it's a fun like, thriller comedy. I don't really even give a fuck about the anti-capitalist message, and I don't think that's why Hollywood and Oscars are fucking jumping onto it. That's why I, you're getting the guillotine. I, th- <laughs> I mean, it's probably in spite of that, right? Like, <laughs> I think it's a good movie that's a great thriller and it's got some artsy stuff happening with it but I honestly think if it was in English people wouldn't care as much about it I'm convinced of that I'm convinced Mm. that but that's that's kind of difficult because it's also embedded in South Korean culture so that's kind of a large part of the film too like if it was just some people in Michigan going through the same stuff it would be fundamentally a different film as well as evidenced by the fact that Uncut Gems came out just recently and I've watched it and it's brilliant and it's got nothing on the Oscars I haven't seen it yet but harking back to the like the the reason why I think we both find this just a little bit confusing is because there's like this isn't alone in being an incredible film, and it just is. It's it's just I can't I can't exactly put my finger on the reason why this one has like got its hooks into people so much. Not that it shouldn't deserve to, because it does deserve to. You, but I, I, I just can't tell why this one above anything else. I suppose right. Bong Joon Ho has got a pretty 
big profile recently. I heard a lot of people talking about Okja, and I didn't realize that's the same guy. I think yeah. it's got more sim- no, sim- no got It's a got bit simple, of- relatable yeah. comedy as well that kind of goes across yes, cultures. So that film could speak to people regardless of their background in a way that, for example, Burning kind of yeah. couldn't. Like we could respect the cinematography of oh. Burning, but there were many same cultural cinematographer. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that yeah. actually. That's yeah. interesting. So that's but kind of my point. It's yeah. like, but it's a different it tone, right? A much, much harder to relate to sort of tone where you've got to read into it. And I know, I know you don't get bored by this sort of stuff but yeah. normal normie, normal guppy <laughs> people do and like that's harder to get into whereas Parasite just has a comedic element that's also serious and it's well it's got filmed a, a so much it's got more enough grounded story it's got, yeah, yeah and it's got enough like good quality aspects that mm-hmm. overall I think it's just more like relatable and, and like um, appeals to a broader base so I maybe that's why it's gotten that yeah, sort of maybe. I suppose then again the Oscars are always movies that have a pretty generally broad appeal anyway I'm on Twitter way too much and even the noise that Parasite has generated on Twitter people have been like responding to, to Unrelated stuff being like, watch Parasite, am I right? Like when it's related oh, to really? general capitalist shit. I mean, it's a pretty basic message of class struggle, right? Like, the, how much can yeah, you exactly. really and read that's into the that, point. So. I've seen like a lot of interviews by, I, I don't know, you see people being like, Bong Jun Ho incredibly succinctly sums up. Like the 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 class struggle <laughs> thing, and it was that uh, that interview where he was like, oh, Bong Jun Ho, more think- like Bong Jun Ho, damn. <laughs> <laughs> That helps. Um, <laughs> he was like uh, giving an interview and someone was like, I think kind of why do you think this film has been as popular as it is? Yeah, that really threw me. Why do you think this film has been as popular as it is? And he's kind of like, oh, I think it's basically that people are starting to realize that we're all united by this common thing and it's the struggle of still going. The struggle of capitalism. Oscar's laughing at Bong Joon-ho damn, his own joke. Remember when I said Bong Joon-ho damn? I do remember. I'm laughing at the fact he can't control himself. You're clearly trying to soldier on. Hey, hey, hey. Don't mansplain my podcast to you motherfucker. I realize exactly why this is going off the rails and I don't need anyone to criticize um, it's more than just people being like people who know film being like this is a great fucking film. Mm. It's like normal people being like this film. I, I this film spoke to me about something, and I just again great. I'm glad, but I just don't know why this one. It's just kind yeah, of confusing sure. to me. Anyway, I think it's still good though. Oh, like, it's great I, because I this it was time fantastic. last year you guys were complaining about the fact that foreign films have their own category and don't get into best film yeah. categories, and now we're starting to see a change. So at the very least. In essence, that topic is kind of nice. Still not going to win Best Picture. It'll you don't reckon? Yeah, it's, it's still weird. that No, absolutely. Of course it's not. It'll win that. Best Foreign and then they'll be like, all right, we did our due diligence. Now yeah, we can pick yeah. the YD film. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's got a male director, <laughs> hey, it'll yeah. win. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, very quickly, Color of Space. You guys heard about this? No. <laughs> what? What is that? Oh, sorry. Color Out of Space. I've written it down. Oh, oh Color Out no. of Space. What? Oh, you didn't no. get that? I had no, one I, word. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Fucking Christ. I'm going to move on. Stand. No, it's a, it's a new Nick Cage film that look it's got a poster that's come oh, out and it fuck, looks maybe like I have the same this. it's got the same <laughs> fuck you. No, 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 I'm serious. <laughs> it's got the same look as Mandy, which I know yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. are both I, strong I, into. I feel like this I remember Nick Cage based on a HP Lovecraft. It's a novel. Yeah. Half an hour of Zach talking and us convincing him that we do know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> on and off for half an hour. That's fuck. great. You'll yeah, get me I'd every time. I think that's what we just did. I think yeah, but 
Yeah, it feels I'd, like I'd be that. happy if this was the rest of the That's show. It. All right, cut yeah. it. We don't need to talk about exactly. Alex. So, uh, like, it's also, an HP Lovecraft so, Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know news? much else about it. I just wanted to raise it with you guys because it looks like a Mandy S kind of Nicolas Cage film. It looks really Is it interesting. Is it I have no idea. I just know the poster it looks okay. similar to the right, Mandy right, cinematography. Right. No, and it's based on a HP Lovecraft novel, which is a weird, weird basis to begin with. So, well, speaking of sequels or more importantly, remakes, a new version of The Thing is in the works. Which, which I thought you would oh, both be really what, that, what that, that, No, no, the, the thing. Yeah, Zach, yeah. if you're going to bring news to the table, you need <laughs> yeah. to be fucking specific. No, no, I know. You guys I'm be telling like, oh, you. There's, some, there's some new stuff Maybe it'll made. help if I spell it out. T-H-I-N-G. Oh, I thought he was going to spell the... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm um, not an idiot. Anyway, the new version of that's coming out. The last one was famously incredibly unpopular. That's right. They're just going to give it another fucking It says new version, so it might be a reboot rather than like... A sequel. Well, the other one was a prequel that was. It's a film that doesn't need to have a new version. The, the other one was a prequel that was a reboot. Yeah. It was the same storyline, well, but they yeah, said it was a prequel. And then they changed. I don't know why they changed it. Was it was bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, so that'll be great. Um, there's also an Anaconda remake. Did you guys. Have Never you guys seen? No, Do you know that yeah. it's got a lot of famous people in it? It's got John yeah, Voight, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jennifer Lopez, yeah. Owen Wilson, and oh, Ice Cube in the original Anaconda film. Owen Wilson gets eaten alive by an Anaconda at wow. about halfway. It's an Owen Wilson joke. S- spoiler alert. Is it? <laughs> spoiler yeah, he goes, wow, in all his movies. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Now I get it. Um, okay, also, how's this? How's this? Ready? Oh, I got... Well, what do you got? I got is, two is quick yours, ones. The last than, one I know is going to be great. Mine? Uh, no, no. Is yours funny? Yeah. All right. All right well... <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll end on Oscar. I don't want to ruin all continuity. Right, right, so, wait a minute. No, I'll finish. I'll, I'll do mine. Then you finish, right? Is that all right? Yeah, sure. Disney are looking at making a live-action Bambi film I saw this morning. Oh, cool. Yeah. Isn't that great? They're going to spend the next three years training a deer to cry at the death of its mother. <laughs> I think watching that will give people permanent brain They damage. really are doing live action films of every film I they've know. ever made. And you know why? It's because The Lion King made a billion dollars. Fuck! How grotesque is the live action Little Mermaid going to be? Um, That's going to look fucked. At least that involves humans. This like Ariel looking like some siren ass like, look like monster. <laughs> Singing to a well, they're, fish. They're only uh, fully live a, action just remaking the ones that just had It'll just be yeah. boring. Whatever yeah. you're thinking of is more creative do, than what they get. Do you reckon they're going to keep the, the race crab in the live action <laughs> live game? Fingers crossed. Oh, man. And they'll still be like, Eria, listen to me. Like, oh. I, <laughs> hey, I'm in character as in. Disney. <laughs> we, we, we were talking about racism the last time on this show. Do you guys try Oscar's and snipe with red, your shit? Oscar's got his red crab card. Yeah. Are you going to... That's what it is in the movie. Do you think they're gonna do that? I've, I've seen the character of Sebastian. Yeah, I don't know. I hope that the car- the live action version of Sebastian is fucking Chinese. Let's go. Let's go all in. <laughs> all yeah, right. right. <laughs> and there's also two new Transformers films coming. That's it. I just Good. wanted you to know the end Great. of film is nigh, along with the rest Michael of the Bay. planet. Um, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> all right. So uh, speaking of quality, speaking of iconic directors writing iconic films. And I'm, I'm closing my eyes and I'm going to my mind palace. Did you know? Uh, your mind palace or your happy place? My mind palace. <laughs> uh, so James Gunn, yep. director of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, yep. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, yep. mm. Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Oh. Um, <laughs> he, he also... <laughs> he also wrote 2002 cult space classic... Odyssey. <laughs> Scooby Doo to <laughs> Monsters Unleashed. That one, <laughs> you might not be getting the audio of this was, but that one really got Zach oh, mid, mid beer sip. Yeah. <laughs> so he wrote the Scooby Doo movie and the Scooby Doo movie two, 
right? Wait, the live action Scooby Doo films? Yeah, he wrote oh, those. I fucking love those. Movies. Well, there you go. So, you so should rewatch them. They're they amazing. Were, so this this article I've got from Screen Rant here <laughs> no, he's is shaking his head. I don't think the they are amazing. <laughs> even though they were released with a PG rating, there was this weird rumor circulating around the internet that originally the rating was PG thirteen or M or like R. Right. And that they had to cut it down and change the edit and shit to get oh, to make sure Ro- that no raggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm never gonna forgive you for not committing to that. <laughs> I don't do Ro- that. No raggy. Like that's right. that's yeah. what I would have expected from a Scooby Doo setup like this. And you knocked it down <laughs> with a half-ass fucking. I didn't want the heat coming off the trouble that we're gonna get into for the Sebastian voice <laughs> early. <laughs> So how's this? So, so um, the headline here is Scooby-Doo 2 R-rated cut debunked by James Gunn. Damn 2002 live-action Scooby-Doo movie originally earned an R rating from an <laughs> MPAA, from the MPAA over a misinterpreted joke, says James Gunn. What? Um, he went off on Twitter. How does a misinterpreted joke go from a fucking PG rating to an R? He went off on Twitter talking about... Um, the one that Oscar Yes, made. the first MPAA <laughs> rating was R, but it was only because of one stupid joke that the MPAA misinterpreted. The movie was originally meant to be PG-13. It was cut down to, P- to PG after like three parents were outraged at a test screening in Sacramento. The studio decided to go to a more family-friendly route. Language and jokes and sexual situations were removed, including a kiss between Daphne and Velma, and what? cleavage which CGI'd over. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, let's let's go through this blow by blow. <laughs> what? That sucks that they removed the kiss. That would have been. It's also kind of weird that that kiss was in there because I don't remember any context that, yeah, that, well, that would have been. I thought that Daphne and Fred were supposed to be. Isn't Fred? It is. Yeah, but doesn't thought, Fred get into Daphne's body at one point? Oh, in the live. <laughs> does that, does that happen? I've never seen. I'm pretty so. sure he looks at his I'm, boobs, right? I'm pretty sure, but yeah, right. I feel that, like that. I feel like he looks is. downwards. They like body swap. Yeah, he looks downwards. Think maybe so. I'm thinking of some. Maybe I'm thinking of, that, of a different movie I watched around that time. Right, body swaps. That's the only circumstance I can think of. In terms of like young. Uh, if, if any of my parents are listening, tune out now. In terms of like movies Mark, that are like a young, come on, se- I know you're still listening. A young, <laughs> a young sexual awakening. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if in 2002 a Scooby Doo movie had been released where Daphne and Velma made out, oh boy, would that VHS tape have gone to good old workout? Oh, yep. You know how there's <laughs> there's the, there's the, whatever that that classic old 80s sci-fi movie is where the um. Uh yeah the the Sharon like, the Stone like, sh- yeah you yeah. uh, <laughs> mean fatal wait, basic instinct not, oh, yes basically yeah I wouldn't be as familiar with it as bad to regurgitate a movie title yeah. from memory Zachary but I couldn't right. fucking Sorry. think of anything other than lethal weapon <laughs> I did it was just going through my head <laughs> it was like it's a lethal weapon it's lethal weapon it's lethal weapon and there like, is a lethal weapon brain. five coming Shut out up. I did actually it's see that news article weapon. this morning so yeah that's a thing anyway is Bruce Willis dead Bruce what. Lethal In weapon. any case, there is... The Lethal Weapon? There is Daphne... Lethal Weapon? I don't think so. No, I'm... D- Ask, you Donald can finish Glo- a new story in a minute. We're Danny, talking about Lethal Danny Weapon. Danny Glover's <laughs> in um, Lethal Weapon and... Uh, oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Kurt, the other guy. Not Kurt Russell. No, not the Kurt other, Russell. Oh, fuck, I've forgotten the other guy. It's not Bruce Listen, Willis, Listeners though, are screaming. That's <laughs> Die Hard. You're thinking of Die Hard. Mel Gibson? Yeah, I think... Oh, yeah. look, I want to say yeah, I think it's Mel Gibson. Wrong, so. I think it's Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Pause. Can we finish the news? Okay. Yes, we can. That was it. We that was finish. it. That's all I got. Oh, so you just want... The, the end of the news was you yelling, can we finish the news? And yeah. now we're finished the news. Well, look, we, we finished, finished with an R-rated <laughs> R- R- live action cut of Scooby-Doo complete with CGI'd over boobs. You're right. And some sort of 2002 woke-ass <laughs> sex kiss. 
complete with body swaps and shit. So what was the joke that they misinterpreted? If that article doesn't oh, have it no, in there, no, I'm breaking no, your don't. fucking phone. No, I don't have it. I'm oh sorry. Please don't God. break my phone. God. <laughs> that sucks. That's the whole news article yeah. is what the joke was. Oh, and also the Uncharted movie's being pushed back again, but no one knows why. Uh, oh, I think, I think <laughs> I think we know why. It's because it doesn't have a fucking director. The previous date of December Have you heard 20- about this? No. It's, they just lost the sixth director to sign on to the Uncharted really? film. The sixth. They keep going to the jungle with a camera and Tom Holland van and no one ever <laughs> yeah, comes out. Is he, like, they they cast him as Nathan as Drake. As Nathan Drake. Yeah. That is, which is a wild why casting. Why would it not be Nathan Fillion? Why? Great question. Probably because it's fucking eighty. Oh, so they can just see GM like they did in the yeah, Irishman. Tom Holland is eight. Yeah, that's the other problem. <laughs> that's all so right. strange. Yeah. I didn't know right. that. Well, that, I think that's all the news we got for the moment. Sure. <laughs> okay, so that was the news. Um, and of course, as we've got Zach on, we got three people. We're all busy people. We all uh, we're a tripod. We're a tripod. We all have tri- long legs. Literally a tripod. Can't call us that. Pod? That's, that's huh? a taken tripod. name. Pod. That's a taken pod. name. It's a pod with three tripod. It's also, it's also huh? a singing comedian huh? group. Oh, well, they're we're not all, around anymore. All, Fuck them. Are they? I don't think so. Are they still a tripod still, Oscar? Yeah, they Would are. you stop trying to podcast and <laughs> engage with this bit? <laughs> I haven't. I don't, I don't know whether tripod are still around. Okay, thank you. <laughs> now you can carry on right. trying to progress the podcast. So yeah. that was the news. But of course, we're all we're all busy young men. We got things to do. We all watched 1917 this week. But so yeah, we we do other things as well. You know, we we get up to other Here other comes. recreational <laughs> activities. We aren't we aren't just dedicated to the art of filmic podcasting. We also kick back, relax, take off our shoes, pop on our fluffy pink dressing gown and bunny slippers. Think of the longest way to introduce a segment. Lie, lie, lie back in bed with a pint of the cherry tomatoes and a Bloody Mary. And, uh, you know, what? just watch, watch some stuff for fun, you know? Just you know, mm. crack up in a bag of barbecue shapes and some hummus from the local IGA. Just <laughs> barbecue shapes? <laughs> think about the better times. This is you so barbecue? specific. This time, this, uh, what, what I'm saying, what I'm saying, Andrew, Zach, is that sometimes... We watch the movie the podcast is about, and sometimes we watch other stuff. So in this week's in this week's <laughs> segment of business or pleasure, God, we need a theme. We'll, t- we'll, we'll talk about. <laughs> we need a segment theme instead of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about things that, things that we've done for pleasure rather than for business. All right. Um, I've got a little bit of stuff to kick us off if you'd like, Zach. Uh, before, sure. Before, go before ahead. You get into go it. ahead. Go ahead. Premeditated. Yeah. No. Do it. I, do it. Go. I need. I was on Netflix just it's the not other the day. The only thing that's going to be premeditated. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I was on Netflix the other day and I had ninety minutes to kill. And I thought, <laughs> how hard is it to find a movie that goes for ninety minutes? And oh boy, I could have watched a quarter did of the Irishman. Did you have exactly ninety minutes, or yeah, did you have like? I have. I have the ability to watch something that is ninety minutes. I got. I got home from work a little bit early. I, it was like I was at home sitting on my couch at like five o'clock. Okay, and I so thought, you had plenty of time. I thought like I could watch a movie before dinner. But I don't want to get in over my head. I okay. don't. I don't want to be watching any. I don't want to be watching no Cloud Atlas, Blue right? Magnolias, or whatever. Oh the fuck yeah, you know, exactly. So I watched uh, Midnight in Paris. Get get none of this fucking Midnight Apocalypse Now Redux out, man. <laughs> so I watched Midnight in here. Paris, a Woody Allen movie that I think I watched on. I don't know. I think I watched it with a friend or somebody. We even I, I enjoyed it, but I don't remember ever finishing it. And who's the man? character in that it's owen wilson that's right i was gonna say um, owen wilson and i'm like owen wilson doesn't do serious it, it, movies it's a woody allen movie set in, it's a woody mm. allen movie that was made in whoa, 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 whoa. before you say where it's set let me guess okay now you can go ahead <laughs> <laughs> it's a woody allen movie set it, it was made somewhere i think sometime within the last 10 years or so it's set in paris oh <laughs> oh <laughs> wow um <laughs> 
That's and I just remember liking it. And I thought, you know what? I'll go back and watch this because I like it. Woody Allen movies, despite Woody Allen being a piece of shit. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> fucking piece of shit. The movies themselves, I think, are sometimes entertaining and are good. Sure. I liked Danny Hall when I watched it. I liked this the first time I watched it. I think we can do Death of the Artist in that we should kill the artist. But goddamn, is this movie a crock of shit. Oh, oh really? Holy shit, wow. does this movie just prattle on. I okay. liked it the first time I watched it. I hated it this time. So the, 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 oh, so you'd seen it before. Yeah, the premise oh. of the movie. I'd seen it, but I wasn't sure whether I'd finished it. I think I watched it like on a date or something, and I wasn't sure whether we... Um, Here we <laughs> go. Whether we finished the <laughs> movie you, or whether not. Whether you closed the deal. <laughs> um... But goddamn, does it? Does they do they prattle on? Like, so, so the, the premise of the movie is Owen Wilson is engaged to Rachel McAdams, and they are in Paris on like uh, one last big holiday before they get married and settle down, kind of thing. And he's a writer, and he's over there trying to finish some book that he's writing, and uh, she sort of couldn't give a shit about his writing, and is a bit more of like a socialite kind of character. Um, and he finds out that if he hangs around at this specific intersection at midnight in Paris, <coughs> um, wonder how Woody Allen got that idea. This like twenties ass car picks him up and like takes him away. And when he gets out of the car, he's strapping back in time to the nineteen twenties. Right. And he's like romanticized oh. the idea of Paris in the twenties. And so he like he travels back in time every night to the twenties and literally hangs out with like F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway. And I think Pablo Picasso. So it's but a rom com. It's no. It's I suppose. Yeah, he it, oh, fucks a, Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a rom com, but no, not I don't know. It's like a drama comedy. Have you seen many Woody Allen films before? No. It's the same kind of quirky, dramatic kind of tone that you wouldn't be familiar with from other Woody Allen films. <laughs> it's not really a... Dr- like Thank he, you. He, 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 no, no, you've done... I'm, I'm, I it is a rom-com, okay. but he spends most of the movie ignoring his wife and trying to woo some other random French chick from the 20s. Marion like, Cotillard. Yeah, but it, it just... It really shits me. That, like, <laughs> I would love to see Marion Cotillard's reaction. So what? Is it like pretentious oh, you, for you meant the character. Well, no, it just doesn't really seem to do the heavy lifting in trying to explain how it is that he is traveling back in time or why it is that he believes it so quickly. Like he just sort of like, is it every picked up in this weird car? And some guy's like, hi, I'm F Scott Fitzgerald. And he's like, 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 like the writer. And he's like, yeah, I'm a writer. Oh my God. I'm meeting F Scott Fitzgerald. And there's no like moment of him, Wanting to Questioning know what the fuck's reality. going on. Like, right. literally some dude will come up Whoa. to him and like, shake his hand and be like, hi, I'm Ernest Hemingway. And he'll be like, oh my God, Ernest Hemingway. And it's just... Do you think that's because it's, it's like so strongly allegorical that they're okay with it being over the top? Or does it not know. really it's, like... It's, it's, it won a lot of awards, man. It got best original <laughs> screenplay. No, I was going to ask, can you, can you predict the Golden Globe Globe Unless well? you've looked this up. Can you predict to me what the Rotten Tomato score is? Yeah. Oh, it'll be high, but like... Not what do you, what do you reckon? Yeah, guess it. Guess it. This is a shit segment. Um, I think the Rotten Tomatoes score. See, Rotten Tomatoes is harder to guess than Metacritic. I think, but more Cause valid because it's a worse system. I <laughs> 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 beat me to it. Uh, I have you already? Are you looking at it there? I am. I already know what it gazing is. Gazing upon it Paris. with my eyes. We've, I reckon we've both looked 75. at it. Seventy-five. Oh, interesting. Ooh, ninety-three. Fuck me. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Ninety-three. I had an overall positive experience with it. Sure. Right. It doesn't sound like it. Quick, go to the Metacritic. Go to the Metacritic. Oh, no, this film takes its fucking time. Wait, anyway, we'll just can guess the IMBD score. We can keep... The we can squeeze the, the juice. This motherfucker's yeah. yeah. IMBD. <laughs> <laughs> the Internet Movie Barter Days. <laughs> <laughs> Internet Fuck. Movie Blu-ray Disc. Oh, 
man. This is worse than that time <laughs> no, I forgot right. the name of Howl and Howl's yeah, you've embarrassed Castle. yourself. <laughs> yeah, my main problem with the movie, I suppose, is that it feels like I'm it's pulling being... the lever and you're going to drop through the floor and the next guest is going <laughs> to sit in your chair until they make an embarrassing mistake. It feels like it's being um, I don't so know cool. 7.7. Seven. Like, seven. There's a dude playing piano at a party and Owen Wilson's like, oh, that's Cole Porter. And... That's that. It, it, it's just like Woody Allen just wants you to show that he knows who all these twenties nostalgia. Are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just twenties nostalgia. I don't films. think that the fact that he's hanging out with Cole Porter and that he's hanging out with eighty one on Medico does anything. He's just right. he just wants an excuse to be putting Pablo Picard like Adrian Brody as fucking who's the lobster phone guy? Hmm. The lobster phone melting clocks I'm sorry? guy. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, oh, um, shit. That guy. Yeah. No, it's not Escher. It's the other dude. It's not Escher, is it? Is it Escher? Mm, no. No. No, no, no. Escher does the pattern. Oh, God, Salvador so. Dali. It is most certainly not Escher. Salvador Dali. MC Escher. It's Salvador Dali. Most certainly not Escher. It's Salvador Dali. Yeah, he just wants an excuse to get, like, it's Adrian Salvador Brody Dali. in the film <laughs> playing, like, a wacky-ass impression of Salvador Dali. And then, like, Who? being like... <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Do you mean I Escher, didn't mate? love it that much. I just felt like right. when I watched it a second time, I was just looking. It just looks like it was like Woody Allen flexing on all these, like knowing all these random twenty celebrities. Why do you think it's so popular? Because it's it's whimsical right. and it's cute, and Owen Wilson's good in it, and Rachel McAdams is hot. And What's I think the that complication? Is Rachel McAdams good in it. The complication is that they're in Paris on a romantic holiday and. Owen Wilson stops spending time with his fiance. He keeps fucking off. Oh, that's the Paris. Right. And then he right. meets Marion Cotillard, and he's like, "Oh, you're way better." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, oh. Do, do I stay in this like weird 1920s Paris dreamland, or do I go back and marry Rachel McAdams?" And that's that's the complicated. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Beef is our pleasure. What do you got, Zach? Oh, what have you been doing um, this week? I got a, I got a couple things. The the more important things I wanted to mention. Um, uh, obviously, very quickly playing Control. It's a great game. Very interesting oh, yeah, experience. Uh, we'll do a little video game. We got corner. a fucking gamer on our hands, boys. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, it's just yeah, such a unique setting for any game. I won't talk about it, but everyone should play it. I also watched Marriage great. Story with my partner. Oh recently. shit! shit. Yeah, talk about that. <laughs> that's the reaction I was looking for. Yeah, it was very you funny. You go? It's very good. I got to say, the acting is uncomfortably on point. That's what makes it. What it is, I think. It is a because piece of you, theater. As my partner said, we thought we were just watching a couple argue so did you about like something was, that yeah. was really awful. So that did you feel it like it was realistic or was it sort of exaggerated yeah. in the theatrical nah, kind of No, I thought it was, it was pretty man. realistic. Yeah. That's yeah. why it was so... I thought so, so as well. And like in the sense that they're both... <laughs> oh, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, me, me too. too. <laughs> it sounded like you were like... It sounded like you were asking like a gotcha question. You were so like, did you, so did you think it was... You're heading and thought maybe Adam Driver was going a bit too hard like he punches the wall. You thought maybe no one would really do that? Super over the top and like melodramatic or are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> oh, that's so good And like For example Little things Like the kid I think Is ca- kind of boring But that's yeah. the point It's a yeah. normal kid That yeah. you can't find Attachment to general kids Are kind of boring Yeah and that's the idea So but those guys ha- The parents of that child Have a clear attachment to it So I don't know It was realistic stuff like that If I'm not the godfather I don't want to see your baby Till he's fucking three If he can't play fetch I don't want to play with him I got one more thing um, I've also started watching Picard The Star Trek series um, yeah, what's the go with that? I'm not much of a Star Trek person. So it's based 20 years since the last time we saw Captain Picard, um, still played by Patrick Stewart. Yeah, and, right. Um, I'm happy to say that it's very good. Uh, I've only seen the first two episodes because only the first two have come out. There's only so f- is it like a whole Star Trek thing where he's got a whole crew and everything? There's or only five. 
There's only five episodes, so it's kind of like a short oh, mini series sort of thing. Five, what is it? Which though? means so it's about—is it like more Star Trek? Well, without episodes? without spoiling it, I guess sort of. So he's he's been retired for 14 years. Something happened in Starfleet that made him want to quit. So now he's on Chateau Picard, which they is an actual racist. winery that his family lives on, which is really interesting. And then um, he gets brought back into what, the game. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! So you mean what, what's this bald guy's name? It's um. Patrick Stewart. Is, so you mean Patrick Stewart lives on this <laughs> winery? Picard. Or you mean Captain Picard's family lives on this winery? Captain Stewart Picard, that's right. Um, Patrick Stewart... What? <laughs> Does Patrick Stewart's family live on a winery Captain named Picard's winery Picard? Right. family... Patrick from Spongebob, that's lives. right. I just want to... S- but basically, so you might not have... The reason I wanted to bring this up is because I watched... You should be angry at yourself. I watched, You're taking crazy pills here! I yeah. watched Star Trek Nemesis, which is the last film that came out that had Picard in it. It came out in 2002. It's the direct prequel to this series. And in a sense that you can still watch this series and have not watched any other Star Trek stuff. And it actually introduces you to a new set of plot, a new world that's actually really accessible, right. which is really cool. But I, just for the fun of it, I watched an old Star Trek film. And it reminded me that those Star Trek series are very hit or miss because they've well, been around for so long that there's some high points and there's some low points. I, I just mm. recently went in on the original Star Trek series. Oh, really? Netflix, the original I've, series? And I've watched... Oh, I haven't... Five I've or never six seen episodes, that. But the, the episodes are like all an hour long. So it's, there's a lot of content really? there. Really? Yeah, it's like a 40... They're like long form, like 40 yeah, minute right. episodes. Um, so is this... Do you need to know anything about no. Star Trek to go in on no, this Picard you don't. thing? Because there are an emotional points. Like, for example, spoilers for Star Trek Nemesis. Data dies. Wait, what, what, what is Star Trek Nemesis? What are you it's talking about? It's a 2002 about? film that came out eight years after The Next Generation ended. And it's like the no, end of their you're, story. You're, 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 it's you're, real. You're, it's a real you're, thing. You're scaring me with your Star Trek That's knowledge. That's right. I, don't, I know. So what is this Picard... But this Picard shit. Do we need to know anything else about Star Trek? No, you can just go in on it and you don't need to know anything else, which is actually yeah. really cool. Yeah, apart Do you from understand knowing what's going on? Apart yes. from knowing that Data's dead. Data died, sacrificed himself to say. Oh, Data have you never seen Android. any? I thought you were watching Star I don't, Trek. I've seen like six episodes <laughs> done, of the original. He's on the show. I know, one, I know. Which yeah. is an old he's one. In Next, Generation. Next Generation is the next yeah, one after that. Yeah, and that's the one that Picard is in. And then there's a film that happens eight years after the series, which is where Data dies. You really the da- Data, the, cy- the, the, cy- the cyborg dude. Remember the cyborg dude? No, he's not in the first six episodes no, of the 1969 no, he's not in, he's not in that fucking TV series, <laughs> you lunatic. Yeah, right. They didn't even know what robots were back then. Yeah, well, anyway, it's good. It's really good. And because it's only five episodes, they've clearly put a bit, a bit of budget into each scene. So, like, you'll have really nice shots that are, like, twisting around as they go into, like, a window of, like, a spaceship from a distant shot that's kind of curving in to the point where they so they can put a lot of money into each shot but because they don't have to cram it into 90 minutes they can actually flesh out characters rather well you like it though it sounds good yep so far haven't seen the next Great. three obviously that's our beef and our pleasure for the week if we dive into 1917 what do we got so it's a it's a new film by Sam Mendes. I'm mean, I've, I've been my brain's been saying Sam Neil. So if I, I'm gonna say <laughs> Sam Neil like twenty times during this fucking <laughs> episode, but it's not by Sam Neil. Sam Mendes, who is the director of Skyfall, right? The James Bond movie yeah, that yep. was like pretty universally yeah. uh, praised critically. Um, it's a war movie, obviously based in World War One. Um, and the I guess the the gimmick of this movie is that it's uh, cinematography. Uh, is designed to make it look similar to like Birdman style and a bunch of other movies that people have heard of less. Yeah. It's it's designed to be one cut, yeah, right? To appear as one continuous shot. Exactly. Um, except there are a few times when it intentionally cuts, but in general, you're staying with uh, two characters the entire time, following them through their like real-time journey, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Lance Corporal Schofield and Blake. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, the... 
I guess the, the, the premise is reasonably simple. These two soldiers, one that they're um, messengers, I suppose. I'm not sure what the actual like military role for them would have been, but they're basically like... I think they were just general infantry that were just... They're, they're, with just, they're just sent messages, on a mission, right? like yeah. But it seems like that's kind of their though, thing, right? Yeah. Though interestingly, I did see that Sam Mendes' grandfather was a messenger in. World well, this War was one, so. uh, these events yeah. were inspired by mm. Sam Mendes' grandfather's yeah. recounting of stories. Yeah. So um, there's these, yeah, there's these two uh, two soldiers, and they are basically pulled into um, being tasked with this mission to go and deliver mm. a message to stop an impending attack. Yeah. Because. The attackers are walking into an ambush and the people in charge of leading that attack aren't aware of the fact that they're going into an ambush. So they need to halt that attack um, and all of the communication lines have been cut so they need people to manually deliver a message. And this is basically the story of their journey to get from where they were to this attack to try and halt it. So, yeah. Um, It's a reasonably simple script. So I was going to ask, like... Uh, Zach, what what do you reckon about the simplicity of the script? Do you think that was an asset to the film because it meant that it could focus on other things? Do you think the script was actually not particularly was, simple? Especially since this movie is nominated for an Oscar for Best Screenplay. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think it was like very good and definitely contributed to the actual story aspect. And I think it was like assisted by that continuous shot aspect, right, where it's supposed to make a, a realistic interpretation where you uh, or feel where you become those two people because you're side by side with them. They don't have flashy lines talking about like the loss of war or anything like that. They're just yeah. talking about real stories that makes them seem like people you would know if you actually just ran into them. I feel like the conversational dialogue between them in the first half of the movie is pretty pretty engrossing. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I think that maybe the fact that it's been nominated for Best Screenplay made me think a bit about um, what it is that makes a good screenplay and about the fact that this movie is just a sequence of really nice action set pieces. Yeah. And the fact that you have to write... like. You're watching the movie, you'd think like, oh, maybe that script's like fucking 15 mm. pages long. But like the script, if it's just, if it's actually physically describing every single yeah. scene that goes through, like there yeah. are so many brilliant scenes that are really nicely structured mm. and they're great ideas that the, the idea, I don't know. It's like, are we rewarding the ideas themselves for being a really nice are we are we rewarding the ideas themselves for being like really cool ideas to have in a movie, or is the best screenplay award like an award for like the best written dialogue? I've always thought of it as being surely like it's a combination the, of the two. Well, mm. I suppose so, but I suppose I'd always thought of it as being like the award for the best written dialogue kind of thing. I wouldn't give this movie anywhere near best screenplay or like the best written story. But yeah, like it's maybe question like whether or not I know what I'm talking about when it comes to like, oh, it's a good screenplay. So this was... I'll that's d- what I would have I'll thought. Just I mention, kind of agree with you. Yeah. yeah, I'll just mention quickly, this was co-written. This, so this is Sam mm. and there's, it's been a, like lauded as Sam and his like first script, right? Because he's directed a shitload of mm. other stuff, but this is one of the first things he wrote. He actually wrote it. There's two writing credits on this. is Sam Mendes and Christy Wilson Cairns, who has written like not a whole lot of other shit. Um, so I'm not sure if she knew uh, Sam Mendes through like other work that they'd done or something, but this is two kind of script writers involved here. Sam Mendes had the initial idea based on the stories that his grandfather had told him. Right. My understanding is he brought on Christy Wilson Cairns to sort of like, he knew that, that by that stage, he knew that the film was going to be shot continuously. Mm. So he sort of yeah. had the tone and the, the feeling of it, <coughs> but I'm not sure though. if... At the yeah. suggestion of Roger Deakins, I think the cinematographer. Right. But mm. I'm not sure if um, 
it, the the full script was fleshed out, and she just did edits or whether or not she's kind of the person that brought it <laughs> together with every story beat. If you get what I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to know, but um, I th- I think it's the 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 attribution of like an amazing screenplay to this kind of trivializes the complexity of a lot of the other screenplays in this category because at the end of the day, I do feel like this was very much a, a it was an elegant script, a very simple script but it wasn't a particularly deep script and it wasn't a complicated story. And I don't I think, think so, yeah. I, 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 I totally get that they wanted to just kind of do one thing. Like this is Deacons, this is a de- it's almost directed by Roger Deakins, you know what I mean? Like mm. this movie almost has more of a calling card in like Deakins cinematography, he's, he's doing this one-shot thing than the fact that it was written and directed by Sam Mendes. Like, really, who gives a shit about the guy who directed Skyfall? (laughs) Well, Um, Skyfall was was really impressively shot as well. Yeah, sure. That was a well-directed movie. Like, Uh, Also, cinema... Also, the uh, director of photography was Roger Deakins, right? On Skyfall? Pretty sure. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm positive. All all I mean is, like, I I feel like they're both... So I agree, it looks great. Yeah, they both do good shit. But... I definitely think, like, if, if we are coming from is, like, surely the, the cinematographic features of this film are doing the heavy lifting. I don't know whether I would have given a fuck about seeing this if it wasn't for the, um, oh, it's all one-shot kind of gimmick. He did the cinematography of Skyfall. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So oh, this was another go, yeah. Sam Mendes, Roger Deakins well, they clearly work And well actually, together. what reminded me, I listened to an interview, if you recall, the opening scene of Skyfall is one very long, continuous shot. What's Which the opening scene again? It's him the, going through like a town one? square and climbing across the roofs and stuff. I think it is a Day of the Dead one. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, right, but one. like I yeah. had kind of forgotten all about that because it happened mm. eight fucking years ago, but apparently yeah. that was like good practice. Oh, he also did Spectre. You know what I mean? Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, but Deacons didn't do the cinematography for Spectre, I don't think. It oh. makes me think I wonder how well this movie would have done if it didn't have this like big like yeah. one take thing. But it sounds like from the, the, the making of movies we've done, the, the making of little YouTube videos we've watched, it's such an integral part of the way this whole movie was put together that you almost like couldn't, Imagine this movie without it. Like they said, for Which example, certainly adds to it. So there were scenes where they might have rec- they might have rehearsed for a week. That because of the way that this movie was going to be shot, had to be rehearsed for six weeks. Where they would like, for example, um, if there's a scene with the two soldiers having a conversation as they run through the trenches, they would have to block out and practice that scene many, many, many times and be like, okay, so when you guys run across this empty field doing that scene. It, you guys end up running in five minutes about 800 meters. So we have to dig a trench that's 800 meters long for you to do that scene in. Right, next scene. And they would do it every yeah. single scene. They exactly spent like four that. months rehearsing before yeah, they exactly. actually filmed anything. Yeah. And but, so then to then be like, oh, what if it wasn't filmed in one take? I feel like, I don't know if that's dismissive or not because I feel like on the one hand it feels almost like a gimmick but on the other hand, it yeah, it seeing the making of and seeing it's not one film is kind of like seeing your film sausage and how it's made, and it kind of takes the magic away. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as when you realize it's not just that they had camera cameras sort of shifting around and stuff, but it's the fact that sometimes it's just digitally stitched together so well that you can't tell. Yeah, as someone um, who's worked on films, I found that really interesting to watch, mm. but it also uh, I think harmed me watching the narrative of well, the yeah. film because I was watching for like. 
when they cut and like, mm. oh, how the fuck yeah, did they I, do that? I had that. I heard people yeah. in the cinema when I watched it being like, oh, there's a, and like it kind of takes you out of yeah, it, which I, think I don't does. think is necessarily a fault of the I don't know film if I can. I'm, so. I genuinely worry about this sometimes. I don't know if I can undo that in my brain. Well, probably. I, I don't know not. if I can ever turn that. There off. are some scenes where I was like, how did they do the lighting of this? And right. I just kept on thinking about it. And it, just it just completely is, took me. Yeah, out of it, which is it a personal thing. Changes the way that you watch the film. Anyway, I feel like you're right with the watching the film and trying to look for the edits because I I literally think that half of the reason this film is well known in the public eye is mm. because of this big one shot yeah. thing and like I watched it with someone who said who did, did, hadn't watched the making of stuff that I'd seen mm. and did said you, like wait you watched the ba- making of stuff before you I, yeah I, yeah I, like, I, or, like I watched a couple of the, right. the scenes and the, the thing where they show the camera being passed right. between the different cranes and shit oh, right. and I watched all this stuff where they were talking about how hard it was to make the one shot shots yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I watched it with someone else telling them about that and they said oh I wish I didn't know that it yeah. was going for the whole one shot thing because I was constantly looking for the edits yeah okay yeah um, in yeah I, I see I'm, what you mean like it was watching it because cause then I know that cause from watching these videos I know that for example there's a scene where there's a character mm. one of the characters falls through the air yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's a cut that happens as the character is falling through mm. the air yeah um and it's really obvious you when you notice as a, as a hot yeah. take. I think that cut looks like shit. I didn't even notice. I didn't even look for that cut. I didn't even see that. It cut. all turns. It it just it, they're like, oh, you can't tell, but it looks like blurry mud. And I then it cuts so. to the next shot. It's like because because well, all the oh. cuts I'm, I was looking for were like when a tree completely passes through the entire frame, right. or yeah. like when there's a, when there's a when it a goes behind someone's when, back. Yeah, yeah. Or when yeah. there's a sequence where there are no characters on screen, yeah. and it's just a landscape. But th- so to know that there are scenes there where it's a lot harder to pick yeah. where the cut, mm. like when the cuts happening in the middle of the action. I feel like I didn't. I didn't even know that. But then we we are watching the whole film, looking for these cuts. It's yeah. kind of weird to have the film that's publicizing publicizing itself I off guess. the back of its editing. Yeah. I mean, mm. I didn't find that it... Like, what did people... What did the three of us think of the film? Because we haven't actually mentioned that straight away. Like, I liked it. I really yeah. enjoyed you it. Liked I, it? Didn't, I didn't have that yeah. issue, but I definitely understand yeah. why it yeah. might be frustrating for people. Yeah, right. And Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, like, I feel like... Um, I think Roger Deakins is a big call. I think Roger Deakins is my favourite cinematographer yeah. uh, alive at the moment. Favourite I- cinematographer of How to Drain Your Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> is he? Yeah. Fuck, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's why DreamWorks suddenly went to darker colors. I saw because I went to an exhibition on DreamWorks, and apparently, um, they were like, "Oh yeah, we, the, one of the holy grails, of, uh, the not to do holy grail or whatever you want to call it of uh, animation is to never do dark colors." But when uh, Roger Deakins came on, you're thinking of um, Cardinal Sins. Yeah, Cardinal Sins, and they were like, "But when Roger Deakins came on, he was like, lean into it, do the darkness stuff." And we were like, "All right," and that's how they made How to Train Your wow. Dragon by getting Roger so Deakins wild. to do the that cinematography. Yeah, man. That's so funny because that's like that's like the exact opposite of this movie, like full digital yeah. cinematography, yeah. where he yeah. just has to basically like it's storyboarded and he's like, yeah, that looks good, yeah, or like whatever you know. Versus like yeah. in the moment doing it, being like, you need to build a fifty-foot yeah. structure with two thousand yeah. lights on it yeah. so that this looks like it's Though, a burning. In saying church. that, a heavy amount of planning goes into that, like oh, animation stuff yeah, yeah, these yeah. days. It's yeah, just yeah. all digital. Well, wow, so. that is wild. I feel yeah. like some of the most fun <laughs> stuff watching this movie though is knowing. maybe the fact that I knew it was all supposed to be one take made me a lot more aware of the camera movements and so there's probably a lot of films that do these camera movements that are equally impressive but I was watching for it in this movie Mm. and so there's there's one specific sequence that isn't a spoiler but I don't know if you're excited about looking for fucking camera (laughs) movements then tune out now but I really like there's one where they're they're walking across no man's land Mm. around these craters and there's this big like crater filled with water Mm. this lake looking thing and they walk around it and the camera's following them kind of 
camera yeah. handheld. And then as they walk around the crater, the camera goes across the crater. That was yeah. the and first it goes moment on the water, in yeah. my first yeah. viewing that uh, took my breath away. Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh my God, how yeah. did they do when that? It sort of yeah. completely... Because so, so yeah. like, there's two modes that the camera operates in in this film. Yeah. Most of the time, it's directly tracking the two main characters mm-hmm. as they have to traverse this um, horrifying mm. uh, landscape, right? Mm. But then sometimes you get these moments where it, it diverges from their path and it just becomes very observational mm. and it sort of watches them from a distance, like when it goes across the crater. Like as opposed to the first the first mm. kind, which is almost like you have a third person following. Right, exactly. And that is the sensation that I feel like it's going for when you're trudging through yeah. trenches with them. It's yeah. like you're a third member of this group, mm. right? But then sometimes it'll give you this like ethereal removed sense mm. where you're just watching what's going on. Like when uh, the best example I can think of is when it goes out the, the window yeah. after he yeah. gets knocked out and it descends onto the street and then mm. you're following him again, right? Mm. Um, one yeah. of the one of the soldiers. Um, and oh, that scene's amazing because in yeah. this back behind the scenes videos we watched, like they had to build Made whole buildings and walls and windows and things that so they could rip apart so that they could pass the camera through walls. Yeah. And so right as the camera gets towards the wall, they rip the wall apart. And I pass noticed the um, it. when Crazy I was watching it the second time, there was like full uh, unbroken rows of barbed wire. Yeah, yeah that, that, that the just camera just passes through. through. I'm like, fuck, they had to like have like 12 people just there like pulling the barbed wire apart and like putting it back and shit. Yeah, yeah. it's insane. Um, yeah. Yeah, the it's really crazy. The set design and the production yeah, design the costumes, alone is It's incredible. really good. The fact they built a kilometer and a half of real trenches as well yeah. Yeah. just to get that stuff going. And you can see the difference. I, I'm not much of a World War buff. No, I was about can, to say this. You yeah. can s- <laughs> well, I was about to say, Oscar doesn't know shit well, about World no, War I. Would, <laughs> yeah. I you I can would see say, the difference between I the would, British and the German trenches, yeah, right? Yeah, the British trenches look like shit and the German trenches are like perfectly built yeah. concrete reinforced and sculpted and, stuff, and reinforced yeah. and everything and like, I thought like yeah that's the Germans baby I, yeah. I'd say as a war film this film has to get over like the fact that there's been so many war films before it's come along mm. but it kind of works against it and it has to be even better than any other war film you've seen yeah. to actually make you want to watch it so that's why and also how many World War One war films have you seen uh, I, I think like this was the first Gallipoli. one I'd seen. Yeah, yeah I feel right? like I've seen mostly World War Two films. That's because I don't think they make many World War One films, which World is what War made II, this really take, interesting. World War Two has a better aesthetic. <laughs> World War Two yeah. has better antagonists. Yeah, I will say, <laughs> even though even uh, yeah. though you find out that like it's digitally stitched together, it's still really long takes. So like it's still well, that's the thing. They're still impressive. Six, they, eight minute takes, which is which and is, like involves running and stuff. Yeah, cameras going from dollies <laughs> to people to dollies again. Like yeah. extras carrying the cameras, then running off into the the, like trenches right so the way like that they actually achieved this for those of you who aren't like as as in the shit and listening to this is this might be really confusing but basically they had to make the whole thing look like they never turned the camera off and so that involved a bunch of like digital effects and physically making sure that the camera was able to traverse any landscape. Now, if you think about the way that you're meant to... If you think about normally, like, think about a camera person that's running along holding the camera, right? So they're using a rig that usually, like, steadies the movement. So they've got this, like, big fucking... It, it, it almost looks like some exoskeleton thing that, like, holds the camera in front of them. And that means that they can mm. run along and it still looks fine and smooth, yeah. right? Which only but worked because they had new, lighter cameras. Exactly. They could so do that Ari, stuff. the camera company... Mm. Uh, this is bullshit that I know, so... <laughs> Again, not. Ari, Sorry. the camera company, specially built the camera for Roger Deakins. They built three of them for wow. him because he said, I need your best camera, but I need it to be smaller and lighter. Mm. And so they went, okay, Roger. And they fucking <laughs> built it for him. Yeah. They said... <clears throat> 
Roger that. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. That. Yeah. I have no fucking idea where you're going. <laughs> like, what, um, what did they say? Uh, yeah, so and uh, they that meant that they could maneuver the camera a lot easier. It was much easier to for people that were carrying it. Um, but what what that means practically in the way that they actually ended up getting the shots was that they had to transfer the camera a lot of the time from one medium of being shot to another. So in a normal film, if you wanted a shot where someone was carrying the camera, you'd have someone carrying the camera. When that shot was done, you'd cut. If you need the next shot to be like 20 meters above the person, you hook the camera onto a, a crane, crane. Set up a crane, yeah. exactly. But in this film, what they did was they said, okay, we're not going to cut. We're going to move the camera from... The steady cam rig that someone has set up around them, like this fucking exoskeleton, we're going to unhook it from that, hook it onto the crane without any of the viewers noticing. So there'll be scenes where someone, where a camera guy is like running with the camera and then we'll like... Like through clip, trenches. And then we'll clip it onto a crane and it's all on the same shot. And the crane like whisks it away and we'll carry it for a while or they'll like slap it onto a jeep and the jeep will drive in front of these people And they'll have for a like while. cameramen dressed up as soldiers yeah. and right. extras in the scene that like and then run behind the camera. Around. Yeah, oh, and then man. we'll pick it back up on the other end of this thing and then go yeah. like back into the it's trenches. That type of stuff. And, again, like, and so like not just digitally were they stitching stuff together like in Birdman I'm sure that maybe similar stuff happened but I think they were a lot uh, well, they, they had the, the benefit like, of being yeah. inside right so there were yeah, going to be no like this one was all exteriors baby <laughs> right all exteriors which actually makes this a lot more difficult I think mm. and so they had to also physically be able to do shit like detaching and reattaching the camera changing the medium of the shot midway through the shot itself which is extremely impressive. Oh, it's, it's um, amazing. So, yeah. like, as much as it's talked about as in, like, a, a gimmick or anything like that, I think yeah. um, it does... This wouldn't be the same movie if it didn't employ that same technique. Yeah. Which is why I pers- I wanted to say I personally loved this film. Yeah. I thought it was amazing, which and is it, why I went and saw it twice. So tense That continuous well. nature, I think, makes it one of the most unique experiences I've ever had. Yeah. And I yeah. got to watch it a second time in a place where I knew it was going to happen, so I was less stressed. So I got to see other people experience the <laughs> tenseness and the stress to the point where I have two people that have said they probably <laughs> will never watch a film with me ever again <laughs> because yep. they felt like they were just... In World War One for an hour. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh and I thought that that nature of it, like script being simple aside or anything to do with that, which I think personally adds to it, I just thought it was just such a unique piece of cinema that I really loved it to the point where it was um, easily the best war film I've ever seen and one of the best films I think I've ever right, seen just right. through the sheer creation of the way it was made. Um, and and just the point of it being like two relatively unknown actors kind of assisted that sort of stuff. They they picked young actors so that you like you couldn't have Colin Firth and Benedict Cumberbatch going through being private and you I know, guess Lance yeah. Corporal. Yeah. And it, it made it feel more real. I that's right. Because like, I was fucking Matt Damon in this. That's thing. right. Yeah. So I don't know for like just some of the general reasons that we've already talked about. Both seeing the making of and and before that when I actually just watched it, I found the experience so just sort of very not enjoyable in the sense that it was stressful. But I yeah. thought it was really good, and I mm. did really like it. Mm. My friends mm. that were scared out of their mind did say they also thought it was good, which yeah. I felt valid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed it, and um, yeah, that made me think about what we were talking about off-air about having watched this movie multiple times and maybe having the suspense be ruined for you a bit. Because um, I think you've both seen it twice. I only saw it once. And I'd be curious to hear about how your experience was seeing it for a second time. It kind of reminds me of watching 
like other <laughs> like we give it shit but now I'm thinking like other like event movies like Gravity for example where I feel like it's almost like some sort of roller coaster or a horror movie where like once you've seen it once you've seen it and that's your nut busted like you can't see it for the first time ever again Gravity's not one shot is it No but I mean like no, in terms of like an experience no, I know, to I just see was it trying to and in terms film, of like yeah. some sort of suspense ty- some sort of suspense type type film where once you've seen it, you can't like go and experience it for the first time again, and you yeah. can't, you can't like have that sense of discovery again. Mm. Yeah, I no, feel that's like true. This movie's a lot like that. I mean, right? and like, was it all right the second time, or were you just uh, mostly I, like trying to look for cool shots and shit? I personally thought I, I enjoyed it enough the next time. I, I was just I was less uncomfortable and nervous because I knew what happened to the two characters that you get so involved with. I mean, I, I, I can explain later, like certain scenes, for example, back when uh, for later on when we fucking ham full spoiler the rest yeah, of the Yeah, there's a few big spoilers in it. this one, so we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll chuck a spoiler. I mean, spoiler in a second, we'll chuck ger- a spoiler one. The Germans up. lose is one spoiler. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I don't know. Personally, I found it was definitely still watchable the second time. I'll actually probably watch it a third time. <laughs> yeah, because I really want my partner to watch it, just because it's such a unique film. Like I want it. I well, want to have other people see it okay. to sort of get to I'll experience. Mark Kermode it. reckons yeah. it's going to get Best Picture. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> so, l- listener of the show, as a listener, <laughs> I fucking here's a good thing. Uh, some of my work colleagues now listen to this. Oh, really? so, <laughs> good, good o. Um, but anyway, uh, he was saying. Um, he was asking me like, "What what do you reckon about the Oscars nomination?" You were like, "Wait for the episode to come out." You literally scab. could not remember what <laughs> what I picked until I was like, "I don't know." Just listen to the app. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't remember what I picked, but maybe I picked that. I'll be interested uh, to hear. Said, I, I think we said Mary Story so. or Joker, or I think I picked Joker. We didn't say we didn't say nineteen seventeen. That's for sure. Yeah, oh, man, yeah. the technical anyway. feat of this one puts it at the top of my list. Um, so. so I was going to ask, and here's an interesting question, right? I was watching. Another film. I just dropped my phone. I was watching another film. Don't worry, guys. I got it. I was watching another film. Oh, uh, Uncut Gems, right? Yeah. And they were, so the, the the cinematography of the Safdie brothers is maybe the exact opposite of Roger Deakins. It's fucking rough around Cuts the edges. Everywhere. It's really strange. <laughs> it gives you this like strange sense of tone. Sometimes like... I don't know, the whole thing is filmed with the... I don't know what film setup they're using, but, like, Roger Deakins famously loves the... He, a lot of people say, like, oh, vintage lenses give this thing a really nice look. I don't like the way these digital... The, the really crisp lenses look nowadays because everything looks too clean and clinical. He's like, no, fuck that. If I want that, I'll add that in later. Give me the cleanest image to the start with. The clearest possible shot. The best shot, possible yeah. shot to start with and I'll fuck with it later the, if I want. The Safety Brothers Which makes sense to me, right? Definitely taking the piss with a lot of shots in Uncut Gems where the <laughs> half the shot was just film grain swamp. Right. So they're <laughs> like, shut up. Just show me the shot. I liked it, but... Um, <laughs> but... I will say, I was watching a lot of the way that they shot dialogue, which was like, you know, sort of the, the famous way to shoot dialogue is shot reverse shot. In Uncut Gems or in 1917? In, in general, right? Yeah, so right. Uh, in, in Uncut Gems, I was thinking about this. The famous way to shoot dialogue is shot reverse shot, which is where you have the shot over the shoulder shot of one person looking at another person who's talking. And then the second person responds and it's over their shoulder looking at the first person that's talking in, right? Yeah. You do that back and forth whenever anyone's talking and focus on them. Great. You have a conversation shot. In 1917, you have these two characters talking a fair bit, right? And all of their dialogue 
is done when they are both pretty much on the screen at the same time. There is no way to do shot reverse shot in this film. Because they both walk in the same way. Right, and it had me wondering, what do you think about this as like a future of how to film dialogue? Because I personally really love... Marriage Story is the same, uh, sort of Mm. a similar thing, right? When you've got these these like long fucking shots Mm. where there's extended cuts of people just... And they they kind of like need to get out what they want to say. Like the uh, uh, The conversation between Laura Dern and Scarlett Johansson where it focuses on her for like six minutes yeah. or the uh, argument scene. Yep. Um, it's There's these extended periods of time where both characters are on screen and we, mm. we don't cut away. It's not following the normal, natural cinema language of dialogue. Mm. And I'm just interested to hear whether or not you felt a lot of this is like just a flat shot with two people talking to each other or maybe like one's in the foreground and one's in the background. Mm. But there's no, there's no like implicit... The camera's not telling you who to listen to because they're speaking. Mm. It's telling you who to listen to because they're that's who you're hearing, mm. right? And they're just sort of still where they are in the moment. I mean, I'm interested to think about whether due to or the not intimacy of really getting to know their voices as well, because you right. get to hear them only them main like the whole way through for like an hour and you know fifty minutes. So you start to really differentiate between them because you get to know them so well. I, I guess and that adds to it. I guess. And I mean, instead of shot reverse shot, they do 360 sort of stuff. Yeah, they kind of like mm. swirl around. So maybe you get a bit of like shot reverse shot. It's mm. just kind of like it's the camera never cuts. But it's not yeah. like he's wandering back and forth between the two people, like mm. looking at one and then looking at the other and looking at one. Yeah, that's it's sort true. Of, it, it's just Didn't revolving around them the whole well, time. And the other thing about that revolving shot idea is like you've got this other rule in filmmaking, which is the 180 degree rule, which is that you always film people, two people who are talking from the same side. You never swap sides so that they're on other sides of the screen because it becomes very confusing if the character that was just on the left side of the screen Mm. who is talking is now on the right side of the screen and is talking the opposite way. Yeah, You'll get that if you're not sure what I mean, just look up 180 Mm. degree rule. on YouTube and you'll get it immediately. But this film, because it's because it never cuts, it never needs to worry about that because you always are 100% aware of where everyone is in the scene at the whole time. My question is, do you think this is like the future of dialogue in films? Or do you think that the... So like in that way, do you, do you reckon the, the, the shot reverse shot format of conversation is outdated? Or do you think that it just feels different and that in this case it works, but in other cases, shot reverse shot is kind of the better way to go. I feel like maybe it was a byproduct of just the fact that the movie's one shot. Like the shot reverse shot is like a technique you can have when you have the luxury of being able to cut between different takes like that. But this one had the luxury yeah. of not needing to cut. Well, I mean, Marriage Story, for example, does have protracted dialogue scenes that doesn't cut and have the uh, shot of right. shot. So I suppose there are other modern examples where it's not all one continuous shot but yeah, there are well, longer I, takes that are starting to be employed for sort of emotional... I think if you're trying to film a, sh- a film dialogue, shot reverse shot might be the easiest quickest, snappiest way to do it. Yeah. Right. But then if, you, if it's all one continuous take and you don't... I think that's limiting. I don't think it's a luxury. I think I think it's 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 a challenge to be able to do mm. that. Which I think it's a it's challenge but do you, yeah. do you think but it produces a better product? It's like, uh, here's no, my question. Do you reckon Marvel I feel films, like maybe it feels like, more realistic. I do you reckon Marvel films that have dialogue <laughs> try to move <laughs> some of them? <laughs> some shit like a Marvel film. But, Continuous but okay. one-shot Marvel right. film. Is Marvel, that you I would expect a Marvel film to do shot reverse shot. Right? Like I remember noticing it really heavily in Stranger Things because they picked a bunch of really weird camera angles for it. Um, do you reckon a, a, a series like that, high production value, big budget series, move towards uh, these like... 
both characters on screen delivering lines at the same time format, or do you reckon they stick with shot reverse shot? I didn't really think about it. I, I think I feel like it's such a fuck around to do a movie that's all one take. I feel like it's like, all right, well, if you want long takes, that's how you have to do it. But you have to deliberately yeah. choose to do it that way. I I'm not saying one take. I, I guess my question is like, do you do you reckon that the single take of a conversation is like a better way to watch dialogue yeah. or something? Do you think I that's do you think that's better or worse? I feel like it feels less. It feels like there's less artifice to the way in which it, everything's being presented. Mm. Like in, but 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 then I think that works really well for for things that are really stylized, like Stranger Things. That's mm. a very cinematic kind of presentation in a way where I don't really care if I can see that there's editing. So I, f- I feel like maybe the, the I feel like maybe it works for this very suspenseful dramatic war film that's trying to get you very invested with these two unknown characters that are supposed to kind of feel like real people because the more they don't build up the obvious artificial nature of the way in which the film is being presented to the audience the more it kind of feels real and the more it adds to the tension maybe i mean people say a lot that like long takes build tension build tension yeah Yeah. exactly um so I, i feel like maybe that's all it is where i feel like it's such a convention. The, like the fact that ed- TV shows and films have editing in them is such a convention now that I feel like people know how to watch a movie without being distracted by the editing. But do you reckon if they could, if like a director and a cinematographer could do a conversation with both characters on screen at the same time? No, I th- I, th- I think it depends on the style of the show. I right. feel like okay. I, I feel like I wouldn't want fucking Stranger Things to be all one take. I'm not saying the whole thing one take, but like long, extended bits long of dialogue. Shots. Like I, I re- hadn't thought about it. I reckon I True Detective so famously True Detective has that like 13 yeah. minute opening scene in the first series or something like I that where he goes that. through the house and and it's like a drug it's like a drug raid that happens in one shot and it's really fucking amazing Is that to watch. No, no, it's it's okay, True right. Detective. And I feel like now that this movie's come out, that looks a whole lot less impressive, you know? But initially when I saw it, I was like, holy fuck, this is amazing because so many moving pieces would have had to go correct or else the whole shot would have been ruined and they just would have had to reset and do it again. I think that there's a fine line between like doing a shot like that for a specific reason mm. and then just doing it for the sake of it. Because there's a lot of, sh- there's a lot of shit with long takes where you'll watch a movie later and like you often enter will be like, oh, that was all, that was all one take. And I'll be like, yeah, cool, but why? Like, <laughs> But I mean, like thinking about that, like I can think of a lot of long continuous shots like um, Children of Men or um, mm. Birdman or some other sort of stuff that are all really good. But like I can't think of an example where it's been done and it's, produced a bad quality scene like because uh, uh, I'm agreeing right. with you in principle I can't think of an example in that I suppose it's such, it's such a fuck around it's exactly what Andrew's saying about like oh it could, you could ruin the take at any moment it's so risky it's like is that just I don't know is that just like when an actor does all his own stunts is it like yeah it's all one long take because I want to feel that adrenaline rush of Knowing that I'm well, wasting it, Warner Brothers does, money at any moment, it, in time. it does have this inherent nature of building tension when it doesn't cut away. Like your mind is so used yeah. to cutaways that it does some inherent thing to make you notice that. Like so, yeah. that's all it does. I feel yeah. like I, I want a long take if it's building tension. I didn't notice any amount of like like um, Sony's God of War does the same thing as a <laughs> it's video. It's interesting. Game. I was thinking about this and the other day as well. It's really you good. just started like playing God of War it again. Was up until so three o'clock in the morning <laughs> yesterday playing so it, which oh, is really? why I'm tired today. For non-gamer listeners, this is a video game that utilizes the special. It's kind of exactly like mm. 1917. It never cuts it. It it never has any loading screens. It never breaks mm. away from the action. The camera is 
constantly yeah. on the entire time. One take. When it is basically one stuff, take. When you're going to cinematic, like it's right. always it's a, one take. It's sort of yeah. if you're like fighting and it's following you over the shoulder, and it wants, to, and you finish the fight and it wants to move on to a cinematic moment, it doesn't like stop. No a normal video game would like stop, yeah. change camera angles, and do a film yeah. bit or for like a minute. Me, if you die 50 times in three minutes, <laughs> right? It's multiple and you're like, takes. Fuck! <laughs> fuck! Fuck! Reset the cameras, boys. I'd never really thought about it. I feel like to me, the whole one take thing isn't a choice to do with like, oh, it makes the dialogue better. Surely, in in my head, it's either like some director doing it because he's got money to burn or because he wants some sort of thrill or literally just like, oh, it'll add tension and this is a pretty tense movie. I think. I don't so, know. What did you think? Uh, in my opinion, the the films that films that have these like extended takes that also involve not just an action sequence because that's kind of a different question. I'm talking about like human conversation, yeah. like dialogue, right? I've always found that these films tend to. Uh, I don't know if it's a chicken or egg thing, but they tend to create a more naturalistic performance, and maybe it's just that they can't not have naturalistic performances because then that take doesn't make it into the final cut, right? But I've always preferred when it's uninterrupted by the editing process. Yeah, like doesn't Burning have a lot of that too? Oh, yeah, it does. There's so many good examples of it. Zach, I told you, don't mention Burning. (laughs) We don't have the time. (laughs) Don't say three times. You've broken a rule of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, but, but I agree. And I think part of the reason why those performances are so convincing is because they don't get the chance to mm. be different in every cut. Yeah. Even like slight differences. You, you have to see the transition from one emotional point to another emotional point mm. or from one sentence to another sentence. And I feel like it means that the actor is kind of forced to... You don't get to like have seven goes at that. Mm. You have to have the whole thing be one consistent performance. And I feel like especially George Mackay, who plays mm. kind of the... I guess I'll say like a main character in this movie. Yeah, Lance Corporal Schofield. I, I I was just curious to to know whether or not yeah, you so thought like, going, like do you think it's a new sort of way to do things that's gonna break the mold? Yeah, is it an objectively better thing quality, than more yeah. and more like you know, um you were talking about uh Mrs. Miss Miss Marple. Um not Miss Marple. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, right? Yeah. yeah. And that uses a lot of that type of like um impressive cinematography where they're moving the camera around a lot without cutting type of thing. I'm just wondering if that's kind of the future of cinema and and you aim for that if you have enough money and time and resources and mm, if you don't have enough money and time and resources, you do shot reverse shot type stuff. I think that it's stylistically more beneficial for some art, some genres and not for others. Like the Stranger Things is an example of like, no, I don't mind if that's really super stylized and has lots of different edits and lots of different storylines and it's multiple cutting between right. kind of thing. Right, but right. no, I, I feel like in this specific case, it's good because it's giving you tension and it makes you feel like you're the third soldier in their little two-man party that's just following them along. Right. And yeah, it feels more natural. And I feel like in a, in a movie where it's this little story that's told in real time with two unknown actors and the whole point is just this story that you're following along as they go I feel like any amount of sort of realism and immersion you get is worth it Mm. and I feel like that's maybe why they went for it I think you could only wait to see if more dialogue happens to be done in long shots to really see where that goes yeah I'm just curious to see where it goes yeah Yeah. I just long shots for ages yeah but the problem is I can't think of an example of it and I'm sorry if someone's listening and knows one but I can't think of an evidence of a bad example of long like a long take of conversation I just I don't know. I thought. I think it's always worked like to only, the point where I've only seen like 
high-grade, ambitious yeah. filmmakers. And I mean, that's like chicken and the egg sort of thing, right? Yeah. Like, is yeah, it because yeah, high-quality yeah. writers are just going to that technique or is right. it because it actually produces high-quality cinema? Like, I just don't know the answer to yeah. that, but it is uh, an interesting yeah. question. I'm so. convinced it's a bit of a wank. I've never, <laughs> I've never watched... That I've doesn't never watched, sound at all like you. <laughs> I've never watched a movie, a conversation going on, and I'll be like, fuck, I wish they cut less. Like... <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I've never watched a movie being like, oh, if this is all one take, it'd be better. And then I feel like whenever I'm watching a take and I'm conscious of the fact that it's all one take, that's all I'm doing. I'm like, oh, this was all one take. (laughs) And the rest of it is just suspense. And so I feel like outside of the fact that the cuts break suspense, I don't get anything out of anything being more than one long take other than that, like... Watching it and being rock hard, thinking like, oh man, <laughs> they would have lost six minutes of their day if someone had fucked this. <laughs> I think I like the I like the theater you know I mean, of the performance. I, I, yeah, that's what I mean. It's kind of theater. You're kind I, of I, I know what you mean, but I don't think I agree. Like, sitting, no, you know what I mean. Sitting there in the cinema. Yeah, when you get rock hard I'm in the, the cinema. cinema. That's I, I think it. I think it makes. Here's here's my thing. I think it makes the character performances implicitly more mm. believable because you don't. See you. You see that person the entire time. You're able to like watch them. You're able to scrutinize every like minuscule gesture that they make with their face. And I feel like it means that if an actor wants to convince you of that performance, they have to fucking nail it. What, like they they're to, in the zone. They have or to be that character for that entire portion of time. And I think that makes that performance oh, much more believable. I feel like whereas if you sort of like swapping back and forth between people, I feel like each person gets a chance to like reset your interpretation of their performance. No, I feel like a good you know actor I mean? will be able to do the pick I'm up not the saying that no matter what. every shot reverse shot ever has I feel broken like you're me it's out of. To pe- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just I'm I, I've always found like longer take, longer form stuff. Even like I was watching uh, Mindhunter, like David mm. Fincher, and a lot of the that does shot reverse shot. It does a lot of like very clever editing. It actually plays with the editing in ways that um, mean that like the tone of the conversation is created through the edit. But um, is that David Fincher that does Mindhunter? He produced a, he, it. Or something. He directed oh. the first ep and then he produces the rest of the eps. But it's even season two. Yeah, but it's cinematography two, yeah. mimics a lot of his earlier stuff. Oh, and I didn't he's, know he's, he's he's like he's an quote executive producer end quote that clearly was like involved the whole time oh. because it has all of the hallmarks of his directing. Not just I a find money it distracting. Whale, huh? I feel like I I never notice the fact that something's one shot until someone leans in and goes, "Dude, this was all one." Doesn't shot. Doesn't that mean that you definitively yeah. do not find it distracting? No, but I mean, I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I never. I always get. You someone find it distracting when someone reaches across and pokes you in the arm and is like, "Bro, this has been one shot." Yeah, which, exactly. Which is me. And th- yeah, it's always. <laughs> yeah, uh, but then, I, but then I'm just looking for the cut. Right. And then but I, if no I feel one tells like you that, I, I'm. I, it could be any other normal scene. Yeah, I wouldn't. It, it could okay. have cut ten times and I wouldn't have even cared. Is my point. Like no one is. No one is poking me in the arm, being like. Dude, they've cut 12 times. <laughs> I suppose, I, I think for me, I don't mind when it is filmed normally, but I it generally find it a better experience when it doesn't have to edit itself a bunch mm. in order to create that because I feel like the performance is heightened mm. as a result of not sure. being able to cut. Sure. Anyway, just an interesting question I think I had. Right. I wonder uh, if the listeners are currently trying to source rail, railroad spikes... So that they can like so drive them straight <laughs> through their brains. So that they can jam one into the ground and have it blow up and 
smash through the top of their skulls. I, for one, am keen to just see the film that you two put together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cutting. No, stop cutting. <laughs> yeah, it would be like the Safdie brothers, yeah, but we'll just, just fucking like, kill just, each other. One of you will yell, cut. The other will be like, no, keep going. Yeah, don't, don't cut. cut. No, don't cut. That's the whole point. <laughs> Never listen to this man. <laughs> um, okay, so my, uh, another question based on... Oh, uh, actually, unrelated to that. Fuck Ed that. Fuck me. Three dot points on an otherwise <laughs> blank page. George jo- George Mackay. Here's my perspective of George Mackay in this film because, like, he the does main, have the main he has, character. He has yeah. a little bit more of a role than the other one. Uh, Dean Charlie. I don't give a Chapman. fuck. Chapman. <laughs> Dean Charles Chapman. Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> De- Dean Charles Chapman. Um, who's like the, he's the one that's like, hello, governor. I thought this would be easy. Yeah. And then George Mackay's the one that's like, of course it wasn't going to be easy, you fucking it's, idiot. It's World War One. It's Charles. World War One. You don't know. I know. <laughs> um, I think that's a pretty fucking good representation of both of them. So George Mackay, the of course it's World War One. I think he looks like he is straight out of a colorized photo of. A World War One yeah. soldier. Yeah, I think he's yeah. some of the best. It's some of the best casting I've seen in mm. fucking forever. I because he's just the got this too fat to be a World War One soldier. <laughs> Even Chapman, like, he looks just like looks a, a young fit. boy that was just conscripted in. I mean, like, I guess he looks like up. he's had his fair share of Anzac biscuits. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> I feel like um, <laughs> they both had to go through like ba- basic and military training. Like apparently basic. they were both fucked up by the. The, yeah, the, right. the training regime by this doesn't George Mackay like by the end look like <laughs> yeah but that's what I reckon I don't know if it's just the the um, colorizing that they did on him because this film has like quite a, a pale palette a lot of the time mm. I feel like you're seeing him I mean you could just see um, him in a black and he's got and white these like haunting 19, blue eyes right 1910s yeah yeah uh, so I, I'm wondering if if that felt like that if that was just like part of the way that they reflected him on screen or if that's part of his appearance or if that was like his performance He's, he looks very gaunt yeah and very kind of willowy right in a weird way that I well, sort of see what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I heard I've seen yeah, him in other Men- movies and he's like kind of laughing and I heard smiling. like Mendes like picked him because he had this old-fashioned quality to that's him what that I, really yeah, made him that's part what I kind of the character. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you're under something if you want to be a casting agent. It just felt like he had that appearance of like mm. you see these people and they've got like the... They, they you know, they're, they're, they look beyond their years. Mm. You know, they're young, but they look kind of like they've seen a thousand... Seen a thousand lifetimes, lived it's a thousand lifetimes. Definitely, you know? definitely great yeah. casting yeah. in a way that I really believed. I think the performances were so good that you sort of forget they're even good. Like right. the, the 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 kid who mm. I, I did. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot that I was watching people yeah. act. And yeah. I feel like maybe that latches onto um, not to alienate the audience members, but that latches on latches onto the idea that <laughs> it was all one take. Where like right. it's all very believable, right. um, and it, it feels like you're watching something real and George Mackay is great and the old old mate whose brother is in this attack that they're trying to stop is really great Dean I think that I really liked the story <laughs> Dean Dean I really liked um, Dean Charlie Chaplin <laughs> Dean I really liked the That's minimal the sound a bullet makes when it ricochets off your <laughs> ricochets off your <laughs> helmet I really like the really minimal no, wait, story. Wait, 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 wait. Fuck it's me! The, it's the sound an M1 Garand makes when you fire the last bullet in the chamber. Nice. It's like... Uh, someone's played Call of Duty when they were a child. Yeah. Okay, fine. I liked, <laughs> Not worth it. I like the minimal story. I like the fact that, like, um, 
pretty much the whole story is we have to get over that side of this map. You got to cross no man's land because yeah. it, that's my brother, man, and I want to go save my brother. And yeah. I kind of, I kind of liked that, and I, I feel like it gave the way it set up the story really quickly. Is this nice, neat little shorthand was really good. Colin Farrell's in this movie, isn't he? Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Firth. Always get them confused. <laughs> yeah. No, who's that? Always. No, who's the guy that like get shows them the way of a no man's land? Co- Colin. Oh Col- no, 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 no. That's someone else entirely. You're not thinking of either of those. <laughs> it better men. be a Colin or he's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Um, oh, carry on as you were. No, it's not carry on. It's um. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, it, in, no. in any case, there are there are. Yeah. Act- oh, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't think it's worth spoiling. Like the because it's nice when they come up, right? Like some of them that are in there. There are some major people yeah, that come yeah. up in this movie, and it's like yeah. almost like a little cameo thing where. Yep. They come up and. St- yeah. Right. I don't know. I I feel like have you, have you all got any favorite scenes from the movie? Or I was just yeah. about to ask. Okay, so stand out. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Full I got spoiler. scenes. I want to like okay, briefly be like spoiler. that was sick, but okay, right. I don't want to spoil. So it. we're gonna we're gonna spoil the fuck out of this movie. But if you if you think that there isn't a major spoiler yeah. and you're thinking about seeing but this movie, there's a wrong. fucking but huge yeah. spoiler. But before we do, you, you should definitely watch this. Yeah, film. I think. Yeah. But be ready for it to be like not. The most enjoyable experience. This is this fucking podcast. We're always like, absolutely watch this movie. All right, see you. We'll get spoilers. Yeah. Definitely watch this movie. Yeah. Not true. I think everyone I can think skip every true, Marvel yeah. movie ever made. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's I, great. Like, I really so want a lot of people to watch this. Biggest film, so. surprise for me and the most brutal shock that I had while watching the movie oh, is that I know the this second is going. main character yeah. dies. Yeah, when Blake... And in a way What's that you're name? not... Blake? Dean Blake. Charlie Chapman. Well, yeah. that's the actor's name, but yeah, his, his character's name When fucking Blake. Ding gets <laughs> stabbed by the German pilot, so there's some German pilot that mm. crash lands into this into this farm and they, mm. they pull him out of his burning wreckage and sort of save his life. And this German fucking guy like stabs Dean. Yeah, but it's when you can't see what's gut. going on because the camera pans away while Schofield goes to get some water and you're like thinking like, oh, well, if he hasn't attacked them yet, then I guess we have to deal with a third member of the party. And then before you can even process properly what's going to happen, you hear Blake go, no. And then you hear this stabbing noise and the camera pans around and you see what's happened. And he gets so pale. The makeup in that. I don't know. So I was watching I the second time I did great. this. The second time I did this, this was maybe the thing that I was looking out for the most. You were like, you don't get that pale. No, I was like, <laughs> no, I was like how, how did they make his body turn so fucking pale and mm. the only thing I could come up with is special effects. Yeah. Well, because no, they just he goes from powder like, and shit. Fully, no, but he goes yeah, like from... Yeah, as the camera was panning like around, they colored. go up. It doesn't <laughs> really cut and he's like corpse-like in uh, f- four minutes. I didn't right? know if there's an on-screen like... He fades. The yeah. col- All the yeah. colour washes out of his face. He becomes like completely pallid. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen it though. Did you do or not? I've never seen such a no. visceral representation <laughs> yeah, of someone maybe, yeah. dying. Like I no, thought I was so uncomfortable by that. Yeah. And there's a yeah. scene where... Oh, sorry, there's a line where he says, am I dying? And Schofield's... Like, you see him think. He has and a you're like, what's he like going to say? And he says, he says, yes, you're dying. Because, yeah, yeah it's I think like, so, yeah. Fucking crazy. Right. Like, I don't think I've ever seen That's anything brutal. like that. And, um, uh, yeah. The bit where they go over the line for the first time, that was the time where I heard the audience the second time I watched it when I wasn't fully focusing because I wanted to hear where other they people. go up into No they, Man's Land or if, whatever. The cinema gasped when they go over, man. I, the yeah. person I was sitting next to kind of like frightfully... <laughs> When, uh, when his hand goes yep. into the corpse, yeah. oh, every both yeah, times he has groaning, this the big, groaning wound, of the this big open yeah. wound in his hand, and he leans on something to pull himself up to the next platform, and he puts his hand straight into an, an open corpse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, he gets yeah. bumped by the other dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who gets scared yeah. by a fucking corpse. corpse yeah, and yeah. so he like 
like pushes his hand into right. another corpse, and the whole oh! cinema, yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole cinema, cinema just goes, goes oh, <laughs> which is like I don't know. I thought that was just muscle. So like apparently, just a little so subtle thing that the happened. um the writer on this that wasn't Sam Mendes, who I feel terrible because she's like the female writer, but I couldn't. Uh, she's not not as well known, so I just can't remember her name. She was <laughs> the one that picked out. Uh, that moment and that was actually from someone who was designated that was from the diaries of someone who was designated to clean up trenches from the First World War and he described a man a corpse a man with the uh, their back was the texture of camembert Jesus cheese and so like when his hand goes in that was what they were trying to conjure up was like his hand plunging into like this roll of camembert that's just straight through a man's back. That's awful. And, uh, I'd like yeah, to she showed it to the sound effect that I just involuntarily did. She showed it to a few people. Uh, Christy Wilson Kent showed it to a few people, and they were like, "You're sick. Yeah. You're ill." And she was like, um, "Well, that was from a diary." That's so. making me uncomfortable. Yeah, that's from a war hero. It's so funny, who are yeah. you? It's funny for the scene we were describing earlier. I called it stabby scene. So pale, which I thought oh, was so pale. He um, goes the, really fucking pale. Yeah, no, the rat scene. The rat scene that's down in the trenches. That I was really good. The, oh, like yeah. just when because the rat drops down and then starts going that, towards that tripwire, and you don't like have enough time to register what's happening. Yeah, that was what I felt as well. You have almost as much time as they do. Yeah, and to so just be like, wait, no, and then it's gone. Yeah, I kind of felt like the, the movie had jumped the shark at that point. I was like, oh come on, there was one of rats setting off bombs and shit. Nah, come on. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I thought it seemed pretty realistic. Like there's rats in trenches. Like you know about that from your history. You obviously did in year nine and ten. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, but that was sick. I dropped history. I, that I had was a lot crazy. of trumpet lessons in your and like I dropped history in your when they're trying to escape and you just hear the wood falling. Like I remember finding that mm. really stressful because I don't. You just don't know what's going to happen. This was really good as well. I was yeah. going to say okay, yeah. so two things: the sound and the soundtrack. So Thomas Newman did the score for this film, <laughs> and I think because we were talking, I remember we were talking about this on our Oscar predictions episode, and you 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 had just You're seen like, 1917. Man, Oscar's going to be fucking insufferable in three episodes. <laughs> That's my prediction. You had just seen 1917, and we were talking about best score, and you said you didn't really remember the score from 1917, or is it kind of nothing special to you? I really thought the score was amazing. I was kind of surprised mm. that you felt that way about it because I felt like it wouldn't. It, again, similar to the. Uh, one take thing it mm. actually wouldn't have been the same film if it didn't quite That's have true. that level of like elevated yeah. artistic score behind it to a certain mm. degree though if it's a big long tense war film you're gonna get a lot of cellos going but I feel like it wasn't that normal war bullshit I felt like it was so quiet and minimalistic and and kind of like maybe it was good but I just didn't notice it yeah, I mean, maybe so. if you didn't notice it, it was also doing its job. Yeah, a it's little a bit subtle probably. soundtrack I guess like in some kind areas. Kind of like editing, man. right? Yeah. If you if I you notice it instead of feeling yeah. it, it's bad. Mm. But yeah, um, I I thought it was really, really, really uh, well informed by what was going on on the screen, and I felt like it didn't just it wasn't just background noise. It didn't just like fill in gaps. Mm. It, it sort of added to and elevated the scenes mm. that I was watching. So mm. I really thought the score was great. There's also one particular track called uh, The Night Window, I think, and it's the one that plays when it's going out of the church. Uh, sorry, out of the building that he shot scene. the guy in. Yeah, right, just before the, the flare scene. And okay. when that's happening. And that piece of music, I think, should win uh, 
whatever the fuck the single best piece of music <laughs> is at the Oscars. Like All the uh, that's, Elton, that's Elton's award, baby. Nah, <laughs> I reckon that piece of music that this even the second time I watched it, man, I was waiting for it and I was like, "This is gonna give me chills," and then it did. Mm. Yeah, the, I had the same. It was thing, so actually. fucking good. Yeah, yeah. It just captures the emotion, like this mystical. I like, had the same feeling when reality. he sees the fire. Um, yeah, when he gets to that bit, that was yeah, just yeah, yeah. incredible. Yeah. And then when I found out it was a big tall, <laughs> big tall tower Structure, of lights, I was yeah. like, "Oh, the church." <laughs> the way this right. movie establishes tension is so good. Uh, one of my favorite ways it did it was so we sort of hinted at it before, but this movie's one big take. But he gets knocked unconscious. I didn't notice. So he gets knocked unconscious like halfway through the yeah. movie, and the whole movie has been them saying like, "Man, you have like, you have ten hours." Yeah, to that get was to the other side up, yeah. of the battlefield to tell this guy to call off or call off his battle, otherwise our whole battalion's going to get massacred. And so then this whole time you're like, "Oh, well, this movie's two hours long if it's all one take." Right. So he's fine right and then there's half halfway through the movie he gets knocked unconscious and it's night time and when he wakes up it's daytime so and just that passive way of it adding terrifying by being yeah. like oh fuck he's just lost like he has 20 minutes yeah. maybe is so terrifying so i didn't just notice this the first time but when they're first when they so they get told by colin firth that they have to go and do this thing and uh Dean uh, Blake, the the young the younger dude is like, we gotta fucking go, I gotta save my brother. And Schofield is like, he actually says, basically, hang on, chill the fuck out. How long does do you think that journey takes us? At maximum eight hours, probably six hours. And so he actually gives this time frame of how long they think it will take, and he says like, we've got like almost twenty four hours, like we have time to be there. So let's not rush in like fucking idiots. Let's properly take our time. That's why he says let's wait till night. Yeah. Because we'll have a better chance. They actually have enough time to wait till night time and then go and mm. still have time. So the second time I watched it, that affected me a lot less because I was like, oh, it's not like dawn yet. Like he's still mm. got time. He but actually no, had he time to spare. Knocked unconscious and wakes up and it's daytime. No, 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 it's no, still no. Night. You wake up and it's night and you still don't know you don't what know how point much time, time is. It's after he sees the French woman. Oh, he goes out and then it's, it's the 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 dawn. It's like dawn is it's going. Pre-dawn, maybe it's, yeah. it's daytime and when he gets knocked unconscious and he wakes up and it's night. Yeah, maybe there's a huge yeah, yeah, yeah. shift in time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's but there's a bit where you hear the bell ringing when he's talking to the French woman and it rings six times to signify that it's six o'clock. Yeah, it's a huge shift. He's lost. Yeah. Hours and hours and hours. Right, so, yeah. but hours that he he arguably gains some when he gets but to drive a bit in, so it, it kind of muddles it up. A when bit, I first yeah. saw it, he got knocked out, and I thought, oh, he's fucked. There is no way he's made it mm. in time. I think the plot of this movie is now that he hasn't made it in time. He also and hasn't made it in time. Like, well, yeah, they right. lose. They lose the first wave. Sure, of, yeah, sure. Yeah. But he's made it before they stop the whole onslaught. I thought that the plot of the movie yeah. was going to be like him dealing with the fact that he didn't make it or whatever. Uh, on rewatching it, I did see when he gets to like the trench or gets to the riverbank. You notice trees are cut down, and it took. It didn't. It wasn't until the second time I watched it that I realized they cut those trees down to build the trenches. Like they've paid that much attention to detail right. that they've actually got trees right. getting cut down on the bank That's for them cool. to build up wooden trenches further down. That's it. And then I when he gets that. over the crest to the second trench, oh well, the third trench, I guess. Yeah. Um, and you, I didn't realize it because I was focusing on the group <laughs> of people he was around. It's a fucking massive trench, mm. like it's gigantic. And then when you realize, like, the music starts to play, and you realize he's got to fucking go through that trench, like you're just like, yeah. Oh, that, oh when it's sort of like panning up and yeah, you're running like, the scene yeah. at the end. Yeah. I wish I had because that was shown on like Jimmy Fallon and all this shit. I wish you I said the same thing. Never a yeah, fucking Andrew shown said that the same in any thing. of the trailers because it is such a massive spoiler that he gets there that it's fucking stupid.
stupid. They've they ruined yeah. it. Yeah. Like it doesn't ruin the entire movie, but you know um, he's running on a field and you're waiting for it the whole point. time. Right. So yeah. And you know that he doesn't stop the first part. Yeah. You know that at least part of it he doesn't manage yeah. to stop. I feel like yeah. without context you don't really know what's going on, but as soon as you're sort of halfway through the movie and it's not and you remember you're like we haven't got to that running scene yet. Of people charging, right. you're like Oh, I see. He doesn't yeah, make it's, it. It's a yeah. huge spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think exactly. it's fucking ridiculous. It reinforces my point entirely. That yeah, trailers yeah. should be thirty seconds or what and about, not able to what show what do you anything think about, from the actual film. What do you think about watching making of videos before you go and watch well, the I film? I didn't do that. Yeah, right. So, is that, is that oh, a no, bet? I thought that. <laughs> no, I didn't. Here's how we filmed the. Uh, here's how we filmed the scene where Blake dies. Oh fuck! No, I didn't. I get what you mean. It was probably short enough that it didn't give away any plot points. To be fair, I think that this running scene was also in that in that making scene. I don't know. It was in the trailers anyway. I was so excited, and I felt like I felt like maybe I knew that if I had watched the movie, I wasn't going to be able to remember enough of it to go back and appreciate the making of. So I thought, fuck it. I'll just, I'll yeah, ruin right. half of the movie for myself, but I want to be able to watch, look, see what I'm supposed to be watching for. Did it for the listeners, hey? Yeah, I yeah. definitely reckon go and see it twice. Well, that like, was it. I feel like I Watch I it clean. Go and, go and watch all the making of shit. Mm. Go and dissect the movie and see how it works from the inside yeah. out and then go watch it yeah. again. The, I, feel the, like. I feel like I knew I wasn't going to watch it twice. I thought, well, I'm not going to remember what yeah. I'm supposed to be watching that's for. Fair so enough. I'm going to watch this now and then... Yeah, okay. No, that's all right. Yeah. The other mm. thing I really liked was, yeah, the, the, the almost cameo-like appearance of famous actors like you had Colin Firth right at the start. Then later you have, I can only remember him as Moriarty from the Sherlock BBC Bang-a-dong, series. That's who I was talking about. Old oh, man. Um... Yeah, that guy who was who I thought was Colin Farrell. Was. Yeah, I got his name up before. It's like Andrew Scott or something. Andrew right, okay. Sachs. Yeah, no. he was really well acted. Maybe sure it's Andrew Scott. Then sure later you have <laughs> you have ominous Mark Strong just walk onto the screen. <laughs> so, I think it's Andrew Scott. No, it's not that. Who's it's Andrew Sachs? Look at that. That's like some businessman or something. That's the guy that's like, oh, hickory dickory. No, it's <laughs> Andrew does claim that's a callback. Didn't very, really come off. Funny. Anyway, but um, yeah, you have, <laughs> <laughs> you have Mark Strong just show up, who has the yeah, most recognizable true. voice in all of cinema. Like and you thought, just and you know they know it because they start on his legs yeah, yeah. and they pan up way later and it's like yeah it's all like <laughs> what's the, um, going on here and Rob like, Stark oh. showing up at the end yeah yeah as the brother whose name I've also so forgotten yep. is it, it's Richard Armitage oh, something like that the yeah, guy th- from Bodyguard correct, yeah. um, and then he also Benedict so Cumberbatch whose character I really liked in the sense that when he talks to Mark Strong he has that conversation of like make sure he's in a crowd of people so he has evidence and it's not to make you that's a cool little think that he's going to actually get him in a crowd like that's not the point of it it's a Point is to create, the point is to point, create yeah. doubt in what Benedict Cumberbatch is going to do to the point where I watched it for the first time. I didn't know if Benedict was going to be like, fuck, fuck you, you send the second wave. Yeah. Right. And I really like that. The right. point where you don't know what he's going to do. And I remember watching other people and asking them and they didn't and know. And I think it demotivates of the way his mm. journey, right? Yeah, you're because like because you're. It's like, well, why are you doing this if you don't? You're not even certain yeah. that he's gonna. You, you, even if you do make it there, like, how hopeless is it gonna be? Yeah, exactly. Sends him anyway. How good is that? As like a masterclass of building tension, that like he's yeah. made it to the general. I think and that delivered was the, the best thing in the script. And you still don't know yeah. what's gonna. And happen. And it was delivered in a way that isn't like uh, he will probably disobey. It was delivered in a way with like a subtle nod from it's Mark like, Strong saying, yeah, "Get like, other people to like, see." Yeah, maybe. Men are yeah. men. You Some men know. just yeah. want yeah. the fight. Like I don't know. That's a point in the. Uh, in favour of the fact the script being really good I agree in some way. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean and my suspicion is that that came from Christy rather than probably <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but yeah 
I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we've gone to a lot of <laughs> very specific little points with, a, of, with a lot of general It's kind of a hard commentary. movie to talk about, yeah. right, man? Because like, if you don't talk, if you if you're not like, all right, it's a war movie and it takes place in one take. It's like, well, what happens? Oh, I don't know. It's it's just a very simple thing. It's I feel just like a, it's a, mostly the it's, it's more than the sum much, of its parts, it? right? Mm. But it's not yeah. a dumb action movie. I feel like even no. just in the way it's intelligently put mm. together to be constantly yeah. suspenseful, even in minor well things like the fact they have Indian soldiers, which were conscripted from right. India. Like, yeah, just yeah, little yeah. nods like that. Right. On that it kind of immerses you in it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never seen it like that kind of referenced or even mentioned in I also, films before. Uh, so I, I really liked that. This was brought up. Yes, I think that was great. Mm. There's a lot of like, there is a surprising amount of like non-verbal storytelling that goes on in this. Mm. Like, I feel like this heaps. That's why it's so surprising that it was nominated for Best Screenplay because there's barely any dialogue in it. Yeah, which right. I guess is like, it's case but in I mean, point of view saying, is it all dialogue or is it the, exactly, the non-dialogue? Yeah. Like, is that but part I would nominate You Were Never Really Here before I would nominate this for best screenplay, despite the fact that I think they sort of contain similar amounts of dialogue. Yeah, like because it also I felt like have much what dialogue. was conveyed as a story in that movie is far more interesting and impressive than like you. You got to get there, mm. and that's <laughs> it, right? Well, I, I feel like maybe this has more story than you never, re- you were never really here has. You were never really here has a lot of character development and the acting does a lot of the heavy lifting. But I feel like maybe in this movie, like Walking Phoenix, does a lot of non-verbal I wouldn't acting. Say, in that movie. I, I wouldn't say it even has that much character. Of- it's more of a character study, right? Like, yeah, it's, that's what I suppose is what I mean. But like, whereas, whereas yeah. in 1917, the event and the events and the sequence of events in the movie mm. is really the star attraction, and maybe mm. that's what is being given credit with the screenplay is the idea that like how intelligently. Um, and how succinctly the scenes are stitched together to set up things later and mm. how yeah. elegantly it's all sort of sequenced. Which had mm. to be planned, like, a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm. yeah I, the last thing that I wanted to mention is, like, the fact that this film... Uh, I think this was a uh, in a Mark Commode review or interview that I was listening to where he said it's a film that sort of uh, shows the impacts of war a lot without actually having any bloodshed in the film and I mean like with the exception of mm. one character's death yeah um, yeah it doesn't actually it's not a violent film there isn't really much uh, th- there's no there's not that many action sequences there well, there's, are, there's yeah, almost well, like yeah there three. are heaps but they're not violent you yeah. know there are a lot of they're action not your traditional sequences. war violence exactly there's no least. like I, I mean I've, I've spoken to you about this like I hate the fucking meat grinder scenes yeah, like the Saving Private little, Ryan like, scene big grand massacre of a hundred people down. type things there's none of that shit there's but almost what it like does three do, main characters in the whole story yeah <laughs> but what it shows you is the impact of war like Mm. A, f- a few times, like, the, the hand going into the corpse, mm. that's one moment. The dead horses, that's mm. another moment. The bowing man, that's yeah. another moment, right? The baby without a name or a mother. Right. That was one that I didn't really even pick up on the first time I watched mm. it. But, of course, like, well, that's, like that's the, insane. Like, how yeah. does that happen, the right? The Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch, like, some men just in the heat of the moment just want to Right. It's like it's changed blood. people. Yeah. It's made people behave irrationally. Even when... um, So, uh, I feel like George Mackay's character, Schofield, has... He's seen enough battles. He's actually the more experienced one, despite yeah. being the junior ranking officer, I feel. I think they were equally... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so he gets picked I think by they were both Blake, Lance Corpus, which is strange. Which was confusing right, okay, to me. So it's a bit so weird. He's the more mature one because he doesn't have the emotional... Yeah. Attachment but he's also seen the he he sort of says you haven't seen well like, he got a medal for like a battle that led to a massacre that he didn't die in exactly like yeah that. and yeah, he exactly. sort of said last time I got told the Jerry's were gone they weren't gone yeah. and it didn't end well so he's got like this previous baggage and experience it just it goes it sort of shows the impact that the war has without 
needing to show you any of the shit that actually happens, whether there's that like senseless loss of life, because yeah. I those scenes don't build the story for me. They just make mm. me really uncomfortable. Well, it's a great unique take, and it's a great it's it's like it's like a way of using the backdrop of World War One as a unique storytelling platform. In the same mm. way as people said, like, oh, Gravity's not really a, a space movie. It's an action movie set oh, in space. Schofield kind of notices thing. things. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry. Yes, you're right. It, it's it's about the backdrop, but I, I was really interested by the fact that... Um, or the, the the subtle, the quiet nods that Schofield's character just notices shit. Like, when he's climbing up, they're climbing up out of the crater that the camera's just moved across. Mm. And he's the one that looks straight at the dead person's eyes that we don't see. Mm. We just mm. see a corpse kind of the staring head. towards him. You see a head, you see the back of the head and yeah. he's looking straight at its eyes and he kind of like hesitates for a second then moves on. He's sort of the one that's looked at death. Well, there's a lot of stuff where they sort of... And then in the bunker, mm. he notices the photo that they've left behind. Mm. He's sort of yeah. the one that, that's more appreciative of the remnants of war. Or when they're on that farm where, where he collects the he milk and the, milk, the plane yeah. crash happens. I feel like there's a yeah. lot more yeah. of an appreciation that he gets the creeps about this sort mm. of family farm and he says, I don't like this place. Yeah. 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 And I mean, even yeah. the overarching narrative is a quest to save lives rather than to end lives, which is the mm. point of war. It's almost antithetical to the entire point of war, yeah. which is yeah. interesting in itself. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I think you were trying to wrap up, so. I feel like that's all I, I, it's all I had. Was I feel like this is a really unique take mm. on war. It's or even definitely films, not your average generally. war film. Well, and you're right. It's not your average film at all. No. Yeah. Like, well, that's kind of what I was getting at with the, the thing about gravity at the end there is uh, people said like, oh, gravity is not actually a space good movie. Though. It's an action movie sped. It's an action movie set in space. I feel like this isn't really a war movie. It's like a great drama action movie set during World War One. Mm. If that contrast makes sense, just the idea that like it's not really. As, it doesn't feel like it's as much about the tragedy of World War One and the huge suffering of huh. human life or whatever, as much as it is about this small human story and maybe that can still mean it's a world I mean movie, that just means like, it's a good war movie right like I feel like yeah. there are different I, I, feel, I don't know I feel like there are like there are a lot of movies. bad war movies it's like a so. different take on it I feel like which is it's, it's interesting seeing the uniqueness of it is, is, is interesting and makes it makes me want to go watch it rather than yeah watching like a hundred people go to a meat grinder I just like, don't like black out the, those something. movies where like there's a squad and like you slowly either watch the squad what? get picked off or so you don't like saving like, oh wait you haven't seen Saving Private no yes, he specifically has seen I Saving have. Private Ryan, that's why and I like fucking hate that movie really <laughs> because the start of it is so horrible that I just yeah. don't enjoy it All right, yeah okay. but I thought you'd stopped watching okay sure yeah. in any case I thought I, I've been thinking of better than worse stands, and I think that the only other recent war movies I've seen are Apocalypse Now and Dunkirk and I think more that like Dunkirk. <laughs> I think I like this more than I like Dunkirk, but I could probably say that Apocalypse Now is still better. So that could be my better than worse. Interesting. Than, is this movie is better than Dunkirk, but worse than Apocalypse Now? Apocalypse Now has a much better script. Um, it's yeah, I I'd agree. I I I'd agree. I'm not sure I could come up with a better better than worse. Dunkirk's than. still great though. Dunkirk sure. is interesting. The way Dunkirk the time lapse. works is that it's four timelines Three. that have a bit of a Christopher Nolan or whatever it is. It's it's more than two timelines that have a bit of a Christopher <laughs> Nolan non-linear kind of editing sequence to them. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a bit of a, it's, it's fun to discover it when you go in because I know yeah. Andrew, you specifically haven't I've seen not it. Seen oh, it's an right, old movie okay. so I probably could get yeah. away with spoiling and it. And the way Andrew it delivers the fact that it's different is really, yeah. is really it's interesting. It's different yeah. timelines that are non-linearly edited together that's yeah. interesting. I still yeah. think I enjoyed... 
1917 more. Yeah. Yep. I so, think this was better than Saving Private Ryan, which I think is a good war film, even right. if you don't particularly like it. I know a lot of people that do really like it's it. It's a traumatic film. So I, yeah. I, think it's a, okay. I think it's a good film that was made well feel, made, but I think 1917 bad. is better than it. That was and Peppa Pig, I, brother. I actually can't <laughs> think of a worse than for this one because of how enamored I am by it. Maybe I'll wake right. up tomorrow morning oh, and I'll right. regret my decision, but I, I think it was just one of the best films I've seen in well, I a, a, a while. What about Birdman? Do you see Birdman? Maybe change my mind. I have, and I think this is better. Right. So you think it achieved the single cut style better than... Oh, that's a different question. I think this was a film I preferred more, but... um. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm asking about your personal right. perspective of it, I guess. Oh. Well, I mean, because the continuous, like without going on about it, the continuous shot nature of that film is very different because it's not temporally linked like this one is where it's the same aspect of time you're watching the entire time, whereas Birdman is more of an artistic That's representation. That's true, it does flash forward. Birdman's kind of... No, it goes over a number of days. It's whereas this one, like 48 hours, yeah. yeah. Whereas this one is real time, right? Like, so... Arguably, yeah. Well, yeah, except for when he's unconscious, but well, I didn't want to see eight but hours also of black if you think screen. About the, so. If you logically think about the timeline that they had, they said at minimum it takes six hours yeah, and the film is only two hours I see long. What they mean, so though, even if he got so. knocked out at a period of time, it's still not accurately reflecting but it, the one-to-one journey. I, I think it's covered by the driving. Like, it's a plot hole, maybe, but it's the driving bit where he, they drove yeah, for you know a short... Right? Yeah, yeah, sure. In Birdman, it's like, oh, maybe, but that conversation went yeah, on for 40 minutes instead rea- of... Life in sure, sure. I feel like Birdman's not doing it for the suspense, whereas this kind of is. Birdman seems like it was just Birdman's doing it, doing it to emulate the theatrical yeah. sensation, yeah, like, which yeah. is different. Again. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, okay. I'm just mm. curious. Mm. All right. Was All that, right. Is that where we sort of stand on this? I think it's a really great war movie. I, I don't have any sort of strong opinion one way or the other about war movies specifically, but I really liked mm. this. Well, my dad, who I saw this with, wants oh. to go and see The Battle of Midway, which is a film that's currently getting about 40 yeah. it's a, out of 100 it's a Pearl, on every single Pearl service. Harbor war film. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Another Pearl Harbor war film. Um, so uh, I reckon. Did your dad like this I film? I reckon this will be better than that. How there about you that for Andrew, you? Andrew, did, did your dad like Yeah, he really liked yeah, it, yeah. Cool. We didn't get much of a chance to chat because we kind of both had to piss off after. Oh, what's the plane was so. in the film? Uh, it would have been like a sub with camel or some shit. <laughs> 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 all right. That's, I think, all the time we have left on this week's episode. Thank you very much, Zach, for mm. joining mm. us. Thank you for it's having me. Actually, that was an ally plane. It wouldn't have been a sub with oh, camel. Oh, shit. Anyway. Right, yeah. yeah. No, I hope Speaking I didn't. Speaking of camels, <laughs> hope our, I, hope our I Facebook didn't page. Break the show. Hope it's, it's been great. <laughs> Facebook.com slash beefstationpod. If you it's have it. any private little messages for us, our email address is beefstationpod at gmail.com. We'll chuck a link in the description of the podcast this week for our Facebook page and the email address and everything else join us next week I think next week we're going to be doing Uncut Gems I reckon so yeah. if we can get friend of the show Patrick on as a guest we yeah, will so look forward right. to that thank <laughs> you for joining little, us for another week out. I'm Oscar I'm Andrew and I'm Zach see you later <laughs>